For y'all, it's like bringing a knife to a gunfight, pin to a test, chest in a line of fire with your thin best. You bringing them boys to men, them boys pull in. This is grown man bi, get you rolled in the triage. Your reach ain't long enough, Dunny. Your peeps ain't strong enough. Rockefeller is the army, better get the navy. Kidnap your baby, spit at your lady. We bring knife to fist fight, kill your drama. We kill you mother. Ants with a sledgehammer. Don't let me do it to you, Dunny, cause I overdo it. So you won't confuse it with just rap music. ROC, we running this rap. MEZ, we running this rap. The Broad Street Bully, we running this rap. Get zipped up in plastic when it happens, that's it. Freak, wait, we running this rap. Owen Sparks, we running this rap. Chris and Neat, we running this rap. I don't care if you mob people, I hold triggers to cruise. You little f- I got money stacks bigger than you. When I was pushing weight back in 88, you was a ballerina. I got the pictures, I seen you. Then you dropped shook one, switch your demeanor. Well, we don't believe you, you need more people. Rockefeller, students of the game, we passed the class. Nobody can read you dudes like we do. Don't let them gas you like Jigger is and won't clap you. Trust me on this one, I'll detach you. Mind from spirit, body from soul. They have to hold a mask, put your body in a hole. No, you're not on my level, get your breaks tweaked. I sold what your whole album sold in my first week. You guys don't want it with hope. Ask nah, she don't want it with hope. No, ROC, we running this rap. Be single, we running this rap. M-E-Z, we running this rap. It's zipped up in plastic when it happens, that's it. Oh, it sparks, we running this rap. Freeway, we running this rap. Chris Denise, we running this rap. I know you listen the But along with celebrity comes about 70 shots to your frame. You are. Use the f- model for Carcanine Esco ass. Went from nasty Nas to Esco's trash. Had a spark when you started, but now you're just garbage. Fell from top 10 to not mention at all. To your bodyguards, Uchi Wally's verse better than yours. Matter of fact, you had the worst flow on the whole f- song, but I know the sun don't shine and sun don't shine. That's why your career come to an end. It's only so long fake thugs can pretend. You ain't live it, you witnessed it from your folks' pad You scribbled in your notepad and created your life I showed you your first tech on tour with Large Professor Then I heard your album about your tech on the dresser So yeah, I sampled your voice, you was using it wrong You made it a hot line, and I made it a hot song And you ain't get a coin, you was getting Then I know who I paid, God. Search like publishing, use your You said you been in this ten, I been in it five Smart enough, now nah, four albums in ten years I could divide, that's one of me, let's say two Two of them was two One was nah, the other was Illmatic That's a one hot album every ten year average And that's so Switch 
switch up your flow. This garbage, you try and kick knowledge. You're gonna learn to respect the king. Don't be the next, get tested on that summer jam screen. Because you know who, who, yeah, you know what, when you know who. Yeah, just keep that between me and you for now. Be shy. Yeah, we are live. Live and direct? And direct. What up, JB? What up, True Master? I'm just kicking it. How you? I'm chilling, fam. Who's this other guy over here with the hat? Check, check, check. Is my, can y'all hear me? Yeah. Oh, there we go. To my left ear. Hey, Masai. What's going on? Hey, Masai. And dude with the beat shot hoodie on. Who's that? Who's that? Oh, that's me. That's Lo-Fi Lobo in the house. Okay, okay. Chilling out. What up? And the birthday boy. <laughs> if it's your birthday, make some noise. If it's your birthday, if it's your, if it's your, if it's your, Happy birthday, Nate the Great. Thanks, thanks, Nate thanks. the Great's birthday. Is Thank it also, you. is it White Devil's Advocate's birthday too? Or oh, just no. Nate, how's that work? Oh, no. We have, we have opposite birthdays. Oh, is it, oh, isn't White Devil's this Advocate like June birthday? 15th I thought his was June 6th. Oh, six, 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 six. He was born in '66 too. Yeah, yup, yup. That's what I heard. <laughs> he, was, he was born like a year ago. <laughs> what are you talking about? Hey, that jokes. Uh, welcome to Shot Radio at Shot Radio. If you're playing on Twitter, uh, check us out. It's a very special edition. We have a special guest with us tonight. Uh, who are we here with? Oh. Oh, <laughs> that's like, I'm up. <laughs> no, I was waiting to get introduced. So I'm just saying. It's We're low good. budget. We do self introductions here. That's how. You're low budget. This is the hottest studio I've been in in like five years. Hey, that's what's up. I All get right. beer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the little things. It's the little things that matter in life. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who are tuning in, we are proud to introduce our. Host, special guest, guest host. host, yes, Jerry. Man, there's a list. Rosa Clemente. Yeah, let's. Yeah, let, you, what you got? You got it? You got him, sir? What? Oh, the list of things. Yeah, you got all the things. I only brought like it was like eight pages, so I just like <laughs> I only brought one in, so I don't. Yo, know. my bottle's <laughs> not eight out pages. The, best five. The, the pumpkin ale drinker. <laughs> <laughs> She's qualified. New one. I'm the arc earring wearer. <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> I started in Albany. It all started here. I'm completely qualified. Can we? If anyone's listening at home, can you update uh, her Wikipedia page as the night goes on, and you add, you know, and she adds things to her resume. So pumpkin ale, pumpkin ale things. oh yeah, can stay up there. We can pumpkin <laughs> <add> ale. <laughs> we'll keep it going. You used to know all the good weed spots in Albany. I don't oh, know where they're at now. The red door got closed down. <laughs> we can catch you up quick. We we'll catch up. Speed. <laughs> She's like, yo, you're well, right. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, South Allen used to have some good stuff on the low. What? Yeah, yeah. See, I know. All right, we'll be oh, right back, ladies and gentlemen. Pick up weed. Uh, so, yeah, so welcome to Beach Eye Radio. We're here with Rosa Clemente. For those of you who don't know, um, Rosa is a, a longtime activist, community organizer. Um, you're a doctoral student now, correct? Uh, yeah. Lecture. You you go around the country and, and uh, give le- uh, lectures to people. You're on the If I Was President tour? Yeah, that's the tour I started after Bernie Sanders said he was running. Okay. Oh. <laughs> was that the catalyst for that? Totally. <laughs> just like, you know what? Just for that, I'm going on tour. I was like, F this. Are we repeating the same mistake? Again, I'm out. Wow. Um, <laughs> and I, I didn't think it would blow up, and it's probably my best. No, my best tour was with Dave Chappelle and all of them back in the day, but mm-hmm. this. 
that was my best tour because I was a fan. <laughs> this is my best tour for me <laughs> and, and the work that I do as a political activist and for the family and, you know, Black Lives Matter and well, everything. You've so. been all over the country with this tour. I saw there were dates everywhere. Um, yeah. I noticed I noticed Albany wasn't on the uh, the itinerary. What's no, I, I don't had know. A, what is up with Albany? <laughs> it's right here. Yeah, this is it? So no, is no. It. I mean, the thing is that, you know, I'm a public speaker, so it, it's usually colleges and universities that the universities that hit me up and um i still have a legacy in suny albany that's probably not the one that they want to bring up you know um <laughs> those were good times proceed. i don't those care were, what those don't were amazing what. times but you know how it is like you know you live in new york city nobody's getting at you you know and i we just got here a couple months ago and it's so funny actually Fuerza latina from um suny just hit me up and i have been up here in the past while i was living elsewhere and in the country i skid more you know I had come to Albany probably, but I didn't I haven't spoken at all, SUNY Albany in ten in decade. Oh, wow. So it'll happen, you know. Folks are starting to understand I'm here, but I'm also not here a lot because I am traveling so much around the country right now, and I doubled up, so I'm I'm about to hit probably thirty. Um, different colleges, wow, universities, wow. community centers, and um, some prisons. Because when I go out there, I, I use the opportunity that the colleges and universities give me to then build on the ground. Okay. You know, um, and also build with a lot of young folks in the Midwest um, and down south that are trying to take over the Green Party, which mm-hmm. is a very good thing. So there's a lot of exciting things happening. Here. Cool. Um, even you know what's really exciting, oh. though? No, 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 real quick. Your shoes light up. What? What? No. That's oh, very I didn't exciting. Even know that. yeah, yeah, look at it. There and, it goes. And, and you and your <laughs> yeah. your 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 ring. Your yeah. Four yeah. Ring? I try to rep. You know, Yo, like we got to represent the culture. Right yeah. Yo. And I I learned a lot of this from one of my mentors, Hakeem Adabudi, who's founder and owner of Third World Press. It's the only black press still like in the country. Black press that is owned by black people. And Haki always said your body and your home should be like a reflection of who you are. So like when I walked up in here, one day everybody here will come to my house when we have our parties and stuff. And I make my house and, you know, my husband and my daughter, we make our home a reflection like... It has to be a place where you can escape all the ugliness of the world. So the personal body, how you adorn yourself, all of that. And I mean, I'm born and raised in the South Bronx. So, you know, I'm a hip hop baby. And yeah, we always have right, to represent right. that. South Bronx. We should make South, that a drinking South game. Bronx. Anytime someone mentions, mentions South Bronx tonight. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of I'm not drink, but I'll mention the South Bronx. Like, uh, and Nate the Great is his birthday. And, and the South Bronx again. Strictly old school tonight. On I'll play some BDP. Uh-huh. No problem. See? Oh, well, well then I I know he's a real DJ because he didn't say KRS One. He said Boogie Down Production. So I, I might even play about. some Just Ice. And then <laughs> look, I just this three. I need to hear my Dead Prez. I need to hear yeah. BDP. And of I course, that, I got we gotta we gotta do you. J Cole. So. All right, All right. Yeah. Um, so that's easy. If somebody yeah. wants to to uh, catch you at the on the if I was president tour, where yeah. uh, where can they find your list of all the all the dates that you're doing? Um, RosaClemente.net, and I'm a Twitter fiend, so okay. it's I'm at. Rosa Clemente um, on Twitter but yeah you know I, I hope that more folks will reach out because there's a lot of stuff happening right now Absolutely. and we need some uh, radical voices and I don't only try to represent 
I'm not representing Rosa. I'm, I feel like I'm representing the streets and a and a and a radical politic, uh, also a scholar activist politics. So you know, I'll be at Harvard, and then the next day I could be in Roxbury nice. building with Boom. sets. So that's yep. what I try to do. Going going forward with the tour, what's been the uh, you know just the, the young people in general that you've been talking to? Uh, what seems to be the kind of the overall uh, or or any sense from from the young people out there as far as how they're feeling right now? What they're is are people receptive immediately? Do you feel like you have to kind of like crack he- crack heads open first a little bit before they're really listening a little bit? Are they everybody's just no, kind of like it's open? been it's been great. I mean, I always have a Zionist or a white woman in particular that'll cry and feel very guilty <laughs> and say, "What about me?" I saw you tweet yeah. a picture of the white tears. Yeah, cup. I bought that. You bought white tears. Cup. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and then you know they make it about themselves <laughs> for the most part. Um, That's what I do a lot of times. <laughs> I'm that Zionist. Cry. I'll be the Zionist tonight. tonight. No, don't be the Zionist. I will <laughs> leave this. Over. I will leave this interview. I'll be the death, death white devil's advocate tonight. I, you know, no, I don't ever play that devil's advocate when when people in Palestine are being slaughtered. And that's, that's truth. Weird, you know? That's truth. Um, but. Yeah, you know, it's been amazing. Like, I always say, sometimes my husband, Justice, when he's on the road with me, I I get mad nervous. And, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to come strong. And I'm not a public speaker that has a speech and switches, like, the city out. Like, I I really try to find out what's going on on campuses. I've, I've been in higher ed for 20 years as a student, but also a professor and administrator and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I really try to get the pulse of the people and the energy in the room. But what I find most is that people want someone that's, you know, authentic and that is... I feel I've always been able to kind of bridge that street to the scholar kind of gap so th- it's been interesting this past year to see students be more responsive than they have to what I consider something radical but when I see other comrades doing some work I'm like I'm really not as radical as mm. we need to be but I, I the receptions have been overwhelmingly dope and I mean especially women of color are kicking ass on these campuses and I mean there's some brothers but it's mostly women or trans folks and queer folks and it's it's exciting because every school I've been to after I left and I I just feel I I've been at a good time there's been something that they've been responding to and I was just at this conference in Chicago and one of the sisters was like the day after you left at University of Louisville I had told them I said someone in this country it was the day before Halloween is going to on some college is going to do one of these stupid cultural appropriation Mm -hmm. things well it happened at U of Louisville two days after I was there where the president's wife had a party at the president's house and as people came in they were giving mustaches and sombreros oh wow right and celebrating Mexican folks and I saw the folks there and they're like you know you inspired the students that were already somewhere there to go a little more radical and demand something more than an apology 
You know, so I yeah. feel, you know, I'm feeding folks, but I'm also getting fed to where young people are at, but where we have to push them in these institutions that are failing us. Nice. So. Speaking of pushing them, you mentioned that uh, you sometimes you feel like you're not radical enough. Do you think yeah. that students and, and individuals and, and even uh, current activists should always kind of be striving to push the, you know, push the limits of the way they think in terms of radicalness? Should, they, should we be trying to be more radicalized and radicalize ourselves as well as others? Well, I mean, I feel I'm radical enough. I just feel sometimes I'm not going to bring that to every college and university because, you know, some of these students have are, are, are most of these students of color on these campuses are predominantly white. And even on those that are uh, HBCUs, but predominantly white institutions are really suffering some serious racism. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, they were told their entire lives that once they got to this institution, there would be some form of equity. So the prof- there's not enough professors and not the black studies programs. A lot of these administrators are, are straight sellouts, you know, um, to, to these students of color. And I mean the students of color, uh, the administrators of color. So I can't go in there on a where I wanted them to be which is on the complete transformation of this society revolution I mean I speak to that but I try to meet them at where they're at and where most of them are at is that they're coming into some contents uh, like struggle with their identity and what they should be doing in this institution and once they leave because everything they're being told to do is still not giving them access or equity. Okay. You know, and, and you got to kind of like deconstruct and they have to go through a process of decolonization. My whole point of going is that college was where it happened for me. Mm-hmm. So college is the place where you can find this and completely transform your entire political way you think and, and your political consciousness because okay. it happened for me it's not most of us are not born into activists or organizing households mm-hmm. it's an experience or particularly a mentor elder that will turn you on and it happened like I said right here in Albany New York as the State University of New York from 1990 to 1997 is where I became the Rosa Clemente that people know after I grew up in my little idyllic world gotcha. yeah. uh, the people that are, I'm sorry I just had a quick Please, people that are booking you for this tour is it is it young people that the the students that are on campus that are that are that are calling for you to come or is it the administrators that are like hey we, it's we all need kinds you to come of here. folks yeah. you know it's, sometimes it'll be the administrators and office of multicultural affairs sometimes a you know uh, an Afro Latino identity conference on the academic tip it could be student groups fraternities sororities I've never kind of been pigeonholed so I get invitations from all types of student groups all types of administrators presidents chancellors equity forms and all that so it's all with all different types of folks can I take a step back um you you, you mentioned uh no oh, why you always do me like that no. it's your birthday go ahead thank you alright good um was, was there a catalyst um, to who you are now and what you do now. Yeah, you SUNY just, Albany. So that was it, huh? My Yeah, I mean, I I had grown up in the South Bronx and then I moved 22 miles away to Westchester County. Mm. South Bronx is the poorest congressional district to this day. I was in the second richest county in, the, in America. I went to school that had like eight people to a class. It was black and white. Everybody had money. 
We were the first Latinos to move in. There was no problems. I grew. I was a cheerleader. I ran track. I was in student government, Rotary Club, 4-H. I was. I would student all of that stuff. I went to a public high school that essentially is a private school experience. I went. Our, our class trip was to the Bahamas. Our class trip was to Spain. Like, we weren't going Were to... Were you the, at Ardsley? Wait, what school you went to? Elmsford. Hogwarts. Alexander Hamilton yeah. High School. Which Somebody is, said Hogwarts. No, right next to... <laughs> yeah, right next to Ardsley. Yeah, I know where you're at. You know, I mean, yeah. And um, at that time, particularly Westchester County was a growing... Uh, it was a, where particularly the African-American middle class went. Yeah, I was in Somers. Right, even though they had Yonkers. Yeah. Right, oh, well, you were in Somers. That was richer. Yeah. Then that was... Yeah, stunt. True. No, it's, it's it's real. So you know, your parents bring you into these environments. For my parents, my father to this day owns his business in the Bronx, in the South Bronx. So my mom every week, I was still going to Grand Concourse and you know to um, uh, um, Morris Park and all that to see my family. So I'd be spending like six days in this kind of idyllic world. You know, you would go to people's houses, have sleepovers. Nobody was talking about race. Like, it was a really crazy experience because I don't feel I faced racism for real. Like, our teachers expected that everyone, black, white, the South Asian students at that time, everyone was going to college. We were in all advanced classes. I mean, we were better than the white kids in school in terms of how we were in clubs and theater and all this stuff. And then I would go home and I see my cousins who were just as smart as me, who were dropping out of school. Mm. You know, some of my cousins were, got pregnant early, um, still somehow dependent on the system that's made them dependent on the system has made them dependent. And like, so I was always clear that this sh- shit went and right. You know, it was like, this is not right. Because you saw how it could be. Right. Because like, I'm like, I'm literally 22 miles away. Yeah. Like, maybe 21 miles away mm-hmm. in my entire life like I never saw a police officer in Elmsford New York right mm-hmm. I think the one time yeah. I did it was like like some crazy white dude try to shoot up like some craziness yep. one time in my whole life mm-hmm. we didn't have police officers or any of that some so, weird domestic issue yeah. arises and then all of a sudden oh look <laughs> whoop, whoop. so all that said that's how I grew up and then I had a huge family. My mom was also someone, you know, my mom was always about traveling. So she's like, she's taking us to a park, to a waterfall. She's like, go do you, be, you know, be adventurous and stuff, which in a way was not the Latino way to grow up where there was a lot of patriarchy back in the day. My dad was like, dude, yeah, you going to college. Like, go have a boyfriend, you know, like it was. And then I go to college and like within two weeks, you know, here you see somebody being called the N-word and then we're walking past uh, some of the f- uh, fraternity houses over there on North Allen when they all used to be fraternity houses, mm-hmm. you know, um, being called bitches by white boys. And then like, you know, the white girls accusing you of stealing her jewelry and it's the other white girl who did it. And the RA is coming to your dorm and, you know, just crazy stuff. And I could not really comprehend that even though I was living in New York when the Central Park Five came down yep. when Nelson Mandela was out when the Nation of Gods and Earth and, and it, the only political station I had before I went to college was because my boyfriend was 
uh, at that time he would say he was a five percenter but in the nation of gods and earths and he was like do you know who Nelson Mandela was and I was like no mm-hmm. and he's like so you go to a really good school but you don't know that Nelson Mandela is free and he's going to be in Harlem this wow. week we need to go tour in 125th street right yep I so by, by the time I got here that first year really messed me up mm-hmm. I did stupid stuff what we all do as freshmen I did bad in class I go home and my mom's like I'm not paying for school nobody gets good money after bad yeah, yeah that's a, and I was like it's 700 she was like it's $700 tuition at SUNY <laughs> Albany for a semester was $700 wow when I came Damn. to school the old days that was in the <laughs> 90s for <laughs> sure yeah. for, no and I lived on no I moved out I was that chick that moved the out the first I broke my contract <laughs> <laughs> I was like I'm out this, I, I got accused of stealing I'm like F this I'm out and I moved wow. off campus and moved to North Allen as a second semester freshman and then that gave me more my parents had always raised me to be independent so all that being said there was like a clash and I was miserable and I came back the second year and I went to the Asuva meeting the Albany State University Black Alliance Mm -hmm. and that day it changed. I, I went afterwards to the president, Derek Westbrook, who's still out. Uh, well, he's up in Schenectady. And I said, I want to be in this group, but I'm not black. And he's like, let's talk about that. And he showed me the constitution, you know, the preamble of Osuba, which was any student of African descent. And then the next week I went to Fuerza Latina, who at that time they were only speaking Spanish. So a bunch of us, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm bilingual, but there were some other people that weren't. And I was like, this isn't right. I'm going to Suba. And that became my home, CC367. I lived mm, up in the campus yep. center. You know, I remember I lived off campus, but I don't even remember my roommates' names or what they looked like. Were, were you the only uh, Puerto Rican in? Uh, no, no, oh, in no, a super? no. Okay. I mean, really, at that time, we had enough black Dominicans and black Puerto Ricans who probably at, we, at that time we weren't identifying as such uh-huh. that Afro-Latino wasn't even a term people were still identifying as Hispanic but we had mad Latinos who went Alpha Phi Alpha Zeta Phi Beta Delta Sigma Theta um, the black, black Greek letter yeah the black leader Greek letter organizations right but the thing was that also the fraternity sororities were highly political so everyone that was president of a fraternity sorority was also a member of a SUBA. Right. And basically, if you were a person of African descent, you were a member of a SUBA. So our meetings were like three or four hundred deep. Remember. We used to have them in the LC. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. And Rashim. We had, yeah, Rashim. That's after. <laughs> Rashim, I was his counselor when he came. Right, Rashim Rook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I called him in the EOP program when I was a counselor, and I was like, you're joining SUBA, yeah. and I recruited 14 of them right from the EOP program. Yeah. And I started a fresh, I had become president by the end of my second year. It's the point of the whole story. I became president, I joined the organization, I became president of a SUBA. At the end of my sophomore year, I was the first Puerto Rican to be president, not the first Latina. Latino. The first Latino was Furman Espinosa, who was Dominican, and he was in Phi Beta Sigma. And um, Equo Keen, who still to this day became a mentor of mine. Equo took me under his wing, and so did some, a lot of the brothers from Phi Beta Sigma, and um, a lot of the brothers from Alpha Phi Alpha. And 
that was it. It was that, and another significant moment on the campus was when I met my, to this day, mentor, Maita Morena Vega, who's the founder of the Caribbean Cultural Center um, in New York City, and who's also a, uh, a high priestess in the Santa Rio religion. And she came to speak for Fuerza Latina, and she was the first person I ever heard say, I am an African descendant. I am an African, I'm an Afro Puerto Rican. Hmm. And I stood up and clapped and like seven other people out of 500 did. <laughs> and the room was mass silent. And I went up to her and I was like, I want to know everything. And she said, know that when you identify like this, you are going to be marginalized for the rest of yeah. your life. Are you yeah. ready for that? Yeah. And then by then, Vivian Verdell Gordon, um, who anybody associated with Albany, New York, should know who she is, became my mentor until the day she died. And it... it that's the moment I pinpoint that sophomore year as the most significant moment of my life I would not be where I am in any regard if I had not been at SUNY Albany and had that experience Amazing. you just said so much stuff I feel like there are people at home I know and I'm home. sorry no no that's it's fine there's people important. at home taking notes I'm sure because yeah. a lot of the names you dropped but um, keep in mind anyone listening we do have a podcast uh, yep. BHI Radio so you can Friday. look this you know I, I know I'm going to go back and kind of uh, look up some of these things that you've mentioned yeah. um, but one thing that you uh, that you mentioned was kind of your duality of how you felt like you had one foot in the hood and one foot in this like affluent life and it allowed you to uh, connect with people kind of on both sides maybe bridge the gap and I, th- I know personally uh, I feel like I kind of relate to you in that level and I think a lot of people in this room um, do also because that's kind of how we linked up um, kind of coming from one situation and then uh, somehow by you know by, by the grace of whatever just getting being able to kind of pull ourselves out of part of it and um, there was one instance where uh, we recently we did a protest down at the Capitol and you were, you were there and uh, one of our speakers didn't show up or whatever and you uh, we, we did this uh, uh, this was, they tried to bury us but they didn't know we were seeds protest and uh, you just happened to be there at, at that event and you helped us out because the speaker wasn't there and I just kind of looked at you you grabbed the mic and uh, you mentioned that you don't really have scripts when you give your you know your, your speeches um, but you ended up just giving this beautiful I don't even know like I don't know where you pulled it from but it was just it moved everybody and then um, uh, you kind of saved our ass that day because we, we were just like we're get, getting ready to proceed with the with the protest and we kind of needed that and um, do you have you always been able to uh, speak like on that level or is that just something that that, that that come naturally or do you just you've done it so often that you're just now it's like old hat and you can just do that anytime oh, nobody's ever really asked me that um no, I didn't talk um, really until I was like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And then I was Spanish speaking only until I moved to Westchester and got put in intensive English. Was so you didn't speak? Uh... Like I didn't hardly talk. Uh, my mom was like, okay, I, you know, not that anything was wrong. I just, she's like, you were quiet, you know, um, just read a lot. Kind of thing, and even uh, through high school, I up until high school, I was bullied. I was very, I just, you know, was probably I had no self esteem. I mean, really, until my junior year of high school, until I met this brother Ray, mm-hmm. who was my boyfriend, who was in the Nation of Gods and Earth. I was not a happy person at all, and I. You know, went through a lot of stuff. I was really quiet, you know, because of all the things I had gone through personally and things that had happened to me. But even in college, like, 
when I joined Asuba, I was always in the background. You know, I was more learning and like soaking in other, you know, folks on the campus and soaking in so much knowledge when I became an Africana Studies major. And when Maita became my mentor one day, she called me. I mean, obviously, I was giving. We were throwing down as a Suba, especially when the Rodney King stuff popped off. And, you know, it wasn't that I wasn't speaking publicly. I I think it's just something that came to me naturally that I didn't really understand probably more into my while we were up here organizing around the Amadou Diallo trial. Okay. So what I'm saying is like nobody ever was TNT like you. Barbershop. You know, you'd be, yeah, TN, oh, yes. <laughs> you, oh my God, TNT bar. Oh my God. <laughs> so many stories. It's like, welcome home, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh my well, God. Well, I'll tell you, it definitely worked. And at that, at yeah, that protest, so, I remember thinking, like just hearing you speak. Um, I come from know. the heart, like, and it's not uh-huh. always good. And... You know, I speak in broken English and sometimes I'm on these academic campuses and I'll hear myself afterwards and I'm like, oh my God, like, what, like your contraction, you just dropped some words, you just cursed, you know, but the thing is, I have such uh, an infinite amount of love for my people and there's nothing that can be scripted, right? Like, you know, I feel like I didn't really nurture this gift until very recently Mm. and I wish somebody could have mentored me a little bit more but all that being said I got to where I got to because I think I just come from the heart you know I'm not trying to sugarcoat stuff I'm trying to really speak for I think voices that are marginalized and um, I feel like if I was ever wrong I have enough different types of people around me that be like you on some bullshit right now you need to correct that behavior Mm -hmm. you know so yeah perfect um, I have a ton of questions and I know people are listening probably do so you can hit us up at Beach Out Radio hashtag Ask Rosa if you have some questions um, but speaking of Twitter uh, I don't know if you know or you probably saw this week there was some uh, Twitter fallout between some activists in the Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter movement between um, uh, Sean, Sean King, King. and uh, and uh, D-Ray uh, McKesson so yeah. um, do you how do you stay out of that because you, you spend so much time uh, you know on Twitter and, you, and you're really vocal well, there don't. or do you not um, stay out of it and yeah, D-Ray can me. kiss my ass and oh, I'll wow. say that publicly Quickly, wow. And I keep saying that. Um, first Somebody of all, quote that and tweet that. No, nah, I'm fine. I know my husband's like, see, now you're going to get into this beef. And, you know, no, he came at me publicly. So, you know, whatever. That's really? what I'm going to say. We're on the on, radio online, right now. Or? Yeah. Okay. But look, my thing is, first of all, because people are seizing on a Black Lives Matter um, historical moment that's happening doesn't mean that everybody's an actual Black Lives Matter activist. Uh-huh. Like people have to understand, Black Lives Matter has chapters, it has an infrastructure, it has a national steering committee, and soon to have an advisory board. So this is like what happened with the Black Panther Party, right? The Black Panther Party came on the scene and grew so exponentially you can control certain things. But there were chapters and there were how you become a member and codes of conduct and discipline. What I think is happening is people are conflating the Black Lives Matter movement with the Black Lives Matter historical moment. Those are two very different things. Just like people conflate Ferguson with Black Lives Matter, right? 
That being said, the reason Black Lives Matter is so amazing is because it's claiming a space and it's giving people to, uh, a, a road to come in and do political work. With that said, you have to be a member. You have to be accountable. You have to want leadership. DeRay has gone on the record saying he doesn't want to be part of an organization. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be, you know, intergenerational. That he doesn't, which is fine. Be an individual. Have your meeting with Hillary Clinton. But you then can't throw all of us who are actual Black Lives Matter organizers because we're in the chapters, right? Some of us are going to trial. I'm one of those people. We got a lot of people going to court. We're going to trial all this next year for um, civil disobedience and direct actions that we did last year. I know Sean for a while. So when that whole thing around him and his race (coughs) had blown up, People, for those who don't know, Sean, Sean, Sean King is an activist, and a lot of people yeah. were saying uh, that he was white and he was pretending yeah. pretending to be black. And it came out during the Rachel Dolezal moment, yeah. who I had met two months before oh, and had really? dinner. Oh, <laughs> that's, really? a, that's a whole other story, too. <laughs> before that, that stuff, story. yes. Love it. We'll come back to that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, so. I've never had any beef with Sean. And and look, I've been doing this work now for 20 years. Have we had beef mm-hmm. in movements and organizing? Of course we've had. The thing is, we didn't have Twitter, mm. right? It wasn't a public spectacle. It like wasn't that a public time. spectacle. Yeah. And even then, it was kind of public because there were listservs and, you know, people gossip and all those things. I have to make it clear that we're in a moment of political organizing. And in order to be a political organizer, you have to have some infrastructure. You have to have leadership. You have to have accountability. It can't be all about decentralization. This is why the Occupy movement failed. And you have to build a base. And the base has to come from the bottom up. I'm not saying DeRay, Sean, anybody comes from the bottom up. I don't come from the bottom up like that. But you have to be in... And you have to be an organizer and you have to be about representing the people, not representing yourself. And I think what's happening with a lot of younger folks and even some in my generation is this hyper visibility is making people think they have power. And then ego gets in the way. And those of us who are public people often don't want to deal with the ego. I tell young cats straight out, you think I don't like being on camera? Of course I do. Am I going to lie about that shit? No. Mm-hmm. Some of us like that work. We like that we can be up there, that we can push a politic to a 1,000 or 2,000 people in a 20-second sound segment. That's incredibly important. But our role, the reason that it's only important is because them 20 seconds we're taking up there, you better be repping the people. It's like and the what Spider-Man, the, great power, great to, responsibility yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't, I have to say I have my own little Twitter exchange with DeRay in full honesty a couple months ago because I went on the record not even really questioning him just more saying look if you're telling me you don't want to be in an organized movement then that's cool Mm -hmm. do you homie go meet with Hillary Clinton get your job in the White House work in that world but don't say you're repping the 
principles and the philosophy of Black Lives Matter people, cats that some of them are being brought up on terrorist charges. So is this just you an know? issue of so, the names overlapping? Because when you look at the, yeah. the, the 50s and 60s totally. civil rights movement, there was no civil rights movement organization, but people were part of the movement. So No, there, was a, there were a lot. But, I mean, the thing is, there were, was a lot of contention even in civil rights, right? So if you read James Foreman and he talks about the local struggle, he wasn't feeling Dr. King and what they were yeah, doing. Right. SNCC wasn't feeling SCLC. Mm-hmm. Selma portrayed that. I mean, Ava did an amazing job with Selma with portraying that scene. She kind of threw SNCC and mm-hmm. Kwame, Stokely, Conor Michael Kassoon, uh, to and then to be Kwame Ture. A little bit on the bus, not having a more kind of radical left mm-hmm. look at that. But we didn't have Twitter is what I'm saying. And the, the problem with this is at the end of the day, I feel that even I made a mistake. I was like, damn, I should not have done that. Just but you know what? I, yeah, yeah, I did it for f- six hours that day, and then I was like, I'm shutting it down. But why, why do you think you shouldn't have done it? Well, first, because I'm Keep in mind, I'm you just older. told him to go fuck himself on yeah, the radio. Yeah, I know. I know, okay. I did it again. <laughs> I know. I mean, we all, we're all flawed and have contradictions, you know, because... Part of me wants to be the bigger person, but then I'm also like, I'm from the Bronx and I'm Puerto Rican. I can't South help Bronx. it. Like, <laughs> no. And he came at me and my integrity. Like, mm-hmm. you don't tweet That's me. That's how he came at Sean. He used the word integrity. He, he the same. No, the same exact thing he said about Sean King. He said about me. So I'm like, so all of a sudden everybody has no integrity. I don't even know where you were two years ago. Right. Who you the didn't hell even you exist? Who? Where are you from? Because I talk to folks in Baltimore and nobody knows him. So I'm like, I'm confused. With that said, I'm a, also a studier of the 60s and 70s movements. I understand the counterintelligence program. I understand that I don't feel he's an agent or some craziness like that in no way. What I'm saying is that when you don't have accountability to an organization and you could just pop off at any point and then you can use your Twitter followers to literally drive people off social media. If you're going to tweet me that no one knows that the work I have done no work in the movement. I have a responsibility and I'm going to defend myself. Whether you like the work I did or that, you're not going to throw me under the bus of 20 years of work to a new generation because you have Twitter followers and then you want to talk about, you're about the people. We're all about the people, right? Then you want to throw that I went to Cornell. You went to Bowdoin, like in Maine. Like you want to throw me. So that's why I got at that dude. So when I saw this later Twitter beef, let me, I said, damn, this is not good in this way. That we have a couple of people that seem to be controlling and and actually scaring away people. That's not revolutionary love. That's not what you do for the people. You don't scare people out of a movement because you're going to have trolls after them. What are you talking about? And that's the power that he has as opposed to saying, using it for good. The minute he's critiqued, he is attacking and you know how your mom says if not everybody can be the person that's wrong mm. if you're the common denominator in all the beefs that are mm. happening and this is very dangerous to the movement because obviously the system wants this to happen right. mm-hmm. can I ask a quick question oh yeah what's your name yeah I'm, I'm Tanisha hello how you guys doing okay 
um, I like what you're saying because you hit on a lot of different things about the generational um, gap yeah. and all those things. Um, and I read about the Sean um, King D Ray thing on online, and um, actually Masai uh, because Masai brought my attention to it. Um, and my concern immediately was, okay, we need they need to understand the art of war and understand that this is war, and you don't let your enemies know what's going on within your household, your house, and your house right now. You're the Black Lives Matter. I I thought they were all that under that organization. Right. Right. Um, so you don't let your enemies know what's going on. And the um, the space where it was discussed, the way I first read about it on, was a space where the guy was like, ha ha, I told you so. Braveheart. Braveheart. Sean, conservative. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, what would your advice be? Because, you know, getting the fact that you got into a Twitter beef yeah. with someone, I mean, that's almost... That's common now. I mean, that's yeah. how people are communicating. Right. But now what steps and what things need to happen to repair this? Because young people are paying attention. This is how they get their information, yeah. right or wrong. Social network is where they get a lot of information. Yeah. Um, now what? Well, let me say this, too. And, you know, so before even that Twitter engagement, I had been in rooms with DeRay. We had no problems. And when the whole thing started, I reached out to him immediately to talk. And he said the same thing. I don't value you. You have no integrity. And I said, I, I, I let's talk about this. Let me call you. And he said, I don't trust you. And I said, you know, these things you're saying are very interesting. I have to but interrupt I, you to I read his res- tweet to Sean King because it's almost the same exact thing. He yeah. said, um, uh, I'll, I'll never deny your contribution to the right? movement, <laughs> but integrity matters. And then he goes, I don't hate him. I stopped trusting him when Justice Together, their organization yeah. ended. So it's like almost word for word what yeah. you just said. And I'm a person that I feel, you know, if we're I am mean, I'm keeping all of that for my memoir. You heard that. She screenshots. And I, no, no, no. I, pr- <laughs> I, I print them out. She's got printouts. Oh, it's um, real. And real. word for word. So what what I would say is even though I did engage you know I also um, am not going to be especially a woman of color attacked um, and, and you're not going to throw my stuff into question when I wasn't throwing you into question I was just saying that I feel we are all not above critique mm. now I don't feel the thing about keeping all our stuff in house right in terms of that I feel what makes us good as a movement is critique right so in order to be in the movement you have to be able to accept critique you have to be accountable and you have to know that for the most part nothing is going to stop us from having some operational unity when we're dealing with white supremacy patriarchy and capitalism but what happens I think and right now I think this is just younger folks in general um, wherever they may be whatever position they're in there's a sense of entitlement there's not a humbleness and I think a lot of folks became organized not organizers activists a couple years ago right. and the thing is that even though I became an activist during a SUBA, I didn't become an organizer until I joined the Malcolm X grassroots movement and had to follow a code of conduct and be held um, accountable. accountable when I didn't do something right or be mm-hmm. able to have a, a meeting with my comrades and have some deep hurtful you know breakthrough discussions to make me a better person I had to have mentors sometimes call me and be like what are you doing 
Like, what what are you doing? You're what wrong. What would you say if DeRay thought that. he was trying to hold you accountable in, um, in his attacks? Um, I, I think he thinks he is, but then yeah. this is when I pull the OG card on this. I've been in this for 20 years. So you, pulled, you pulled rank on him? No, I would. <laughs> I don't... I, I said, if he said that, I would pull that on at this at that moment. Mm-hmm. Because it's like anybody who has a craft. If you're a DJ and you've been doing it for 20 years and you want to be a DJ because you just decided, you know... So you got your 10,000 hours in? Yeah. yeah. That's what the, Thank you. Hit, hit that. I got my 10,000 hours in. And that's an old adage from... Um, that Malcolm Gladwell, right? Malcolm yeah. Gladwell, yes. Who talks about that's what makes you an expert. And what I'm saying is that anybody who knows me, especially young people in the Black Lives Matter movement, in the hip-hop generation, and in the Ferguson historical moment, knows that when I come to the table, I come authentically. I'm coming with flaws. I'm telling you the truth. I'm laying back. I'm shutting up. I'm giving money. I'm empowering you. I'm giving the mic over. I'm making sure that you're on Democracy Now! where you're on CNN. I'm never even going to be on CNN, but I've gotten people on CNN like making like let's go you need to have them on we need to have this kind of stuff so when you question that and then you've just come into the movement as an activist and this is not just him it's a lot of folks young folks have to have some kind of respect for that right exactly that's what which I'm leads saying. into something I wanted to say which kind of Tanisha to, touched okay. on it it's like when if I'm gonna argue with Masai I'm gonna argue with Masai no one's gonna know that we're arguing yeah so it's like the people that are paying attention best yeah. believe that the cameras are on everyone yeah they're on us they're on you they're on everyone that's in the movement yeah maybe Sean and DeRay shouldn't argue in public maybe they should pick a forum where they can sit down and talk this out between themselves and not let the whole world know what's going on for the greater good yeah yeah but I don't and that's the thing that then that's when the whole I think maturity will set in right because right. when you think about it we that ego and how we keep it in check right and, and at, at most moment what's happening right now is that a lot of these young folks because of social media are becoming celebritized and that's something that didn't happen for me so I wouldn't have known maybe 10 years ago when we were doing the hip hop convention if Twitter had been around maybe my I would think my ego would be in check because of the way who I surround myself with so with that how we move forward is that um, I think people are getting tired of this right Mm -hmm. and it seems that through this there might be a Setting of that And it's also Now you're gonna see People making sides They're gonna pick sides mm-hmm. right. Which side are you on Some cats are now Picking a side You wanna do that Go ahead Don't stop us From doing this The problem is that People that get to a level Of the celebrity In the mainstream Will be the voices That end up Marginalizing the rest of us That wanna be The radical Kind of push You had a call back Before to so, the uh, yeah. To the Occupy movement Before and it seems yeah. Like a similar situation Uh Potentially fall out with that Where there's You know Young people that are interested in it Newly yeah. activated yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm here And I'm doing the knowledge Because of a hashtag Is why I'm here In the first right, place right. Uh, Or I saw the t-shirt Or my favorite rapper Is now talking about it And yeah. this is why I'm here uh, But now that I'm here I'm looking for some kind of leadership And I just see leaders Arguing yeah. with each other On the internet uh, My forum You know what I mean As, as that person So I, I worry about uh, That end of it As far as people Just kind of losing uh, interest, interest Or losing hope uh, in, in any type of movement Just no, because of the so I think this is what ends up happening, right? 
like I said, I wasn't born into a movement family, so I have some comrades that they're 45 and they've been activists and organizers from the day they were born, right? Um, But still, with 20 years of experience in this, at the end, what wins out is integrity and consistency. And I have people all the time come up to me that will say, I don't necessarily like you or your politics, but you've been consistent. Mm -hmm. You have integrity. You have principle. That is what wins out. So what is going to happen when we we can have a conversation five years from now to this date, and a lot of these folks will be doing good work, but will not have moved the ball one inch forward, would have sold a little bit of themselves, will be questioning some choices they make. And some of us will just know that the politic that we have is so right and so on point and so revolutionary. Even if we don't get a lot of victories, when we get them, these are in, it is so important to our community and that's how I roll I roll now on integrity and consistency I'm not running a sprint this is a long distance revolution we're uh, going to take a short break but to anyone listening who feels like they should they they should have taken sides between you DeRay Sean what would you say to them don't take sides or just no no at this point you know and I I, you know I I had a quick conversation with Talib Talib Kweli um, and you know I would yeah that's my homie I know I'm just (laughs) yes no I because more than rapper, right? Talib's first and of hardcore MC, but you know, organizer, activist on the ground, been rolling and doing amazing work. But through the Ferguson moment, me and we have been friends for a while, but we really built during the Ferguson moment and have been. And you know, I said, "Damn, yo, I just had to go at him," and he's like, "It's all good," like you know. But no one here is the enemy, right? Mm. And no, in no way is a Sean King or even a Rachel Dolezal or any of them people would I ever say is my enemy my enemy right now is on a stage right. debating in las vegas mm. donald trump my mm. enemy is hillary clinton and the state the system you know and but there's nothing wrong i think with some of us having and engaging in what we would call public dialogue malcolm x james baldwin went at it people need to read du bois and booker t washington you mm. want to talk about people having beef imagine right. if they had twitter yeah. well, marcus, I think it's interesting now marcus garvey women you know, Fannie Lou Hame, I mean, and these debates and stuff, I always just want it not to be personal. Perfect. And what let's I think is interesting the is, is the, on the political end of it, it's like this is the first, at least for me, in the news uh, across the board and the coverage of this particular argument, this is the first time I'm hearing about yeah. any leadership in a movement at all. Yeah. And it's because of the bickering. So it's like, why can't we have mm-hmm. media cover any other aspect of the movement or anything, the and good work the that anybody's ask, doing? Right? As why, opposed why to why the system loves this instead right. of like really uplifting. Oh, there's turmoil. Now we can talk about it, right? Now we can put the spotlight on it. Arguing's good. I like that. I love to argue. All right. Uh, We're going to take a short break. Uh, At B-Shot Radio, hashtag Ask Rosa. I'm going to argue with Masai during the break. Uh, Hashtag (laughs) Ask Rosa if you have any questions. We're here with Rosa Clemente. Keep it locked. We'll be right back. Yo, what's up, Blastmaster KRS1? This jam is Word. Yo, what up, Deep Nice? Yo, what's up, Scott LaRock? Yo, man, we chillin' this funky French jam. I want to tell you a little something about us. We're the Boogie Down Production crew. And due to the fact that no one outside there knew what time it was, we have to tell you a little story about where we come from. South Bronx, the South South Bronx. South Bronx, the South South Bronx. South Bronx. 
Tell me this style is terrific. It is kind of different, but let's get specific. KRS-One specialize in music. I'll only use this type of style when I choose it. Party people in a place to be KRS-One attacked. You got dropped off MCA because the rhymes you wrote was whack. So you think that hip-hop had its start out in Queensbridge? If you pop that junk up in the Bronx, you might not live. Cause you're in South Bronx, the South South Bronx, get it. South Bronx, the South South Bronx, South Bronx, the South South Bronx, get it. South Bronx, the South South Bronx. I came with Scott LaRock to express one thing. I am a teacher and others the kings. If that's a title they earn, well, it's well deserved. But without a crown, see, I still burn. You settle for a pebble, not a stone like a rebel. KRS-1 is the holder of a boulder. Money folder. You want a fresh style? Let me show you. Now way back in the days when hip hop began, with Coca La Rock, Cool Herc, and then Bam, these boys ran to the latest jam. But when it got shot up, they went home and said, "Damn, it's got to be a better way to hear our music every day." People was getting blown away, but coming outside anyway. They tried again outside and see the park. Power from a streetlight made the place dark, but yo, they didn't care. They turned it out. I know a few understand what I'm talking about. Remember Bronx River rolling thick with cool DJ Red Alert and Chuck Chill out on the mix. When Africa Islam was rocking the jams, and on the other side of town was a kid named Flash, Patterson and Millbrook projects, Casanova all over. You couldn't stop it. The Nine Lives crew, the Cypress boys, the real rock steady taking out these toys. As odd as it looked, as Wallace it seemed, I didn't hear a peep from a place called Queens. It was '76 to '1980. The dreads in Brooklyn was crazy. You couldn't bring out your set with no hip hop because the pistols would go. To my knowledge, I guess that I'm fresh on what I manifest. I never hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. What's going on, John? Okay, what's the purpose of you stopping me? Yo, man, kick the rock. You was just kicking in me a while ago. Going way, way back to the early days of 75 and the black space. Chilling with my homeboy, Muscle Man Ron, and the boogie down boss, BKA P Long. It was a privilege for people to see. Fan bottle, fan bottle, fan bottle 23 on a Friday night. The boys would come running to hear Big B stop with shocking and stunning in the hill. Not a thing was chill. Sound masters on the loose and acting ill. Up top, up top, every weekend rock. Even 131 or around that block, but anywhere uptown, you uptown, always heard the sound. Hip hop, funky beats, MCs getting down. The truth, I swear, admit and declare. The Bronx was the first, I know I was there. The beats were dope, the sound was on. By the way, saying peace to my brother Mel Quan. Mel Quan, dedication time a little bit more. The L Brothers, Grand Wizard, Theodore, Theodore, Theodore. When we used to ill with the young sound masters in Castle Hill, I could keep. Going on, going on and more With Breakout and Baron and the Funky Four On the other side of town The mics and the hands The lecherous, treacherous Also perpetuous MCs Cold and command command. And if you listen to that Going after we'll back For all the pioneers I'm going way back Way back
like G. Bing the bam. Road manager, yeah. This joint is slam. 5,000. Boom and rock. Yeah. Sound system. State of the art. Uh. Travel lightly. Close pack neatly. Strap with the baby bam, baby bam, BC. Pulling early. Do the sound check. I want to get on, but the crowd ain't around yet. I scream out jungle so you know that I'm here. Now. Give a shout out to Smokey the Bear. Yeah. It's almost time. It's almost time. Yeah, it's almost, almost time, time to bring forth my rhyme. Yeah. Any minute now. Any second now. Pay attention close. We're going to show you how. Come on, everybody. Let's gather around. Once again, we're going to get on down. Give you something to go home and talk about the author against us, but we stayed in for it out. I heard you was long overdue. Yeah. Who's coming through? Y'all know who? Who? That's what money brings If you act like you know I'll put you under my weight If you act otherwise And try to demise me Take me for granted To try to surprise me I'm not a drag I'll break your legs Because you're yellow Just like the yolk of an egg He's DJ Donna D And I'm the master of MCs writing my rhymes Like they were corn on the car Or should I say cake From the bites you take Know what I'm saying? I'm not playing That I'm an MC pro And like a Lamborghini I'm geared to go I was raised in forest Across from Morris I got more hair on my chest Than Chuck Norris Sweet the suede Sharp as a blade I'm not a name But a rap is the trade To get paid and laid Have it made in the shade Hear me riding in my car You think it wasn't great Lemonade It's not a game of charades You know what I'm saying I'm not playing Is me, so I call the DFC and I get busy in front of me. Only one and two, you have a jive, a couple of riders is doing the do. Also, in the house, you have Mel Corn and Jazz G, and this is Holy War. And I get busy like this. Let's walk this door, Jazz. Supreme wisdom, wisdom is what I give them just to kill. It's how I'm living. I'm Sir I the Rod on the microphone. Let me show you why the stage is my own intelligent. Individual with intellect. Intellect, you pick up the microphone and rest. You, you, and your homeboys too. Your gang proxy group, all the whole damn crew. I'll do it casual. I'll come classical. Let's be rational. It's all actual. The laws of nature allows me to do this. 
So do the knowledge and watch me just prove it. You make a record, it's what I am making. Guinness Book of Records is what I am breaking. My energy is flowing and it's causing false fictions. I am called a scientist and you are science fiction. So just listen to the lights that I'm shining. The wisdom that I'm speaking of, the words that are rhyming. Because of rhyme, divine fuck is busy. Make you hit the high fuck is busy. Make you snap your fingers or wiggle. Scream, shout, or laugh or just giggle. That body, body, that body. Don't host with me, you're still sorry. That's word, I'm not the herb. Understand what I'm saying? Sir, I shows outstanding competition. The greatness of my triumph. My techniques are invincible, so why even try? Triumph, triumph, rewarding myself with this funky fresh masterpiece you put on the shelf. However, suckers, the topic is the victim. You wanna be victorious? You have to know your history. Science, mathematics, literature's a blessing. History is great, but the feat is a lesson. Guessing how dare you? Fighting's even worse. Time invested into this. Fight it, and I hurt you in the battle of which the great against the greatest. I'm a genius at heart, you know. That's why I say this. I feel the power being better than someone find a new kind of sport. Let me tell you how. I want that I'm trying to help Not dismiss Mister Doctor, lawyer, politician, judge, brother, sister So listen to me, people, I won't break I'm flexible, so I so fly, no lie This guy's edible Damn, my man, come back Where are you going? This is the part where our boots are showing A show rap on wax, that's like magical Never can be whack or lack or act radical As I grow, I flow with versatility Stick to the beat and practice my agility That's why I didn't force On the beat at all notice My style has changed y'all You know that was a spectacle For years you have neglected This is my style So you might as well accept it Now or never Not tomorrow or later With mics or guns We can see who is greater I'm a warrior From Medina that is Brooklyn If you ever try to just be worded Boy your head is crooked I done kill devils Mutilated snakes Shot my own brother Cause he caught me A murderer crazy Then why do they praise me? My loved ones, my girlfriend, my family This part of me, believe me You'll never see again Friend, enemy, cousin You have to forgive me for this thing But more, I'm tired Instead of being fool It's best get the best It's so easy to do It's best right now I'm at the point I don't give up I'll bring my critiques Some grenades and let's blow them up Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> 
Radio at Beach Shot Radio on Twitter. We're here with a uh, special guest, Rosa Clemente. Um, just a reminder: this episode of Beach Shot Radio is brought to you by Albany Distilling Co. because they give us free alcohol if we say that. And I just said, <laughs> "Thanks, guys." Um, Albany Distilling Co. Yeah, we we were we used to shout out the other rum we drank, and we're not going to say it. But then we realized, why don't we shout out a local distillery, and they'll give us booze, and it worked. That's right. So uh, shout out to Albany working. Distilling Co. They just released their their uh, their nine pin. What the, what's ten the ten, 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 ten pin. pin. Ten pin. Ten it's, pin. It's an apple brandy, and it's delicious. It is. Oh, Delicious. They keep us stocked now, and that's all I have to do is say that once. It's amazing. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh snap! Six bottles just showed up at the door. Look at hey, that. That's just like that. Like that. Boom. It's true. You did the uh, yes. the release for the the bottle release party for the this drone. Yeah. I know you were doing like that. You were DJing yeah. this event, right? Tech House. Yeah, it was fantastic. They uh they, they had the official release of the twelfth pin, which is basically them pressing twelfth pin or tenth pin. Tenth pin. Ten pin. It was twelve twelve. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, the date was twelve twelve. But basically, they took a bottle of. Um, Ninth pin cider. Ninth pin cider. And they distilled it into brandy, and it's wonderful. So good. Yeah, <laughs> from I, what I understand. I complain about it not. Talking to, uh, I work at the spot next door to the distillery, and talking to Rick a little bit, we have a very rare exclusive bottle where, from what I understand, every bottle, just about, of the 10th pin mm-hmm. was sold at the event. Yep. Uh, I think there was a bottle that went to, you know, maybe one or two bars in the area just to, like, have it on the shelf and to, like, pour some shots out for people. And then we have the only other bottle that wasn't, like, sold uh, right there so uh so again thanks to those guys man appreciate that fantastic we're gonna get into oh go ahead just because we're also drinking i have uh also from the albany pump station next door this coming friday since we're talking about booze in the distillery and drinking uh we've been collaborating with these guys and uh i've been drinking again that's a different song the one uh different song this is just alcohol (laughs) set in with Mm -hmm. harmony and uh so this one right here this is the rye barrel aged ipa it's incredible Uh, in my personal opinion the 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 best beer that we brew out of the Albany Pump Stations, my favorite beer, uh, is our American Imperial IPA. This one has been aged in the rye barrels uh, from the distillery next door and is now uh, fit for consumption and more importantly, fit to it's be tasty. sold. It's tasty. Uh, not unlike some of the other stuff we had. This one is the, we have the labels for them. They look great. The bottles are sexy. I just sent a picture to my side so we can get that on Twitter so you guys can check that out. I don't know if I'm going to put sexy. this on Twitter though because they don't give us free booze at the pump station. Yeah, oh, but you got to come on down and Oh, see I me. just had a sip. Is Listen, that- listen. <laughs> when I went, when we went down to the pump station, yeah, I don't know Jody, what you're talking about. Jody looked us up. This is oh, we're, okay. And this, and this one we're sipping yeah. on right here Done. is an exclusive. Instagram. <laughs> this is the exclusive. Uh, this, this one we're sipping on is the first, the only one that I know of that's actually been opened other than by the uh, by the brewers themselves. So, you know, we're sipping on this yeah, one Yeah, I was at the pump station uh, yesterday. I just woke up. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, just Friday, in time for Beat Shot Radio. You know? That's right. Friday will be the release on that. And uh, and again, a very exclusive. Uh, get, get down to the pump station. Come try the beer. Uh, tell your friends about it. We're trying to do the similar thing that the distillery was doing as far as selling wholesale as many cases of this beer 
uh, as we can there and just try to get rid of it and get it out there into the city to be drank by you fine Ooh. folks. So, yo, be, be, I want to give one quick shout out before yeah. my homie goes to sleep because it's like two, it's like uh, <laughs> so you know we old as no, hell. it's no, 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 no. It's, no, us. It's, we just have old friends. <laughs> no, it's not that he's Trust. old, but he lives in England. He oh lives wow, in England. Oh London, right, England. right. And it's three ten. So shout out to my man David Howard Payton on the check, and he said great show so far, and he's uh feeling very uplifted and inspired. I want to come to London, get me a gig. He'll have to catch the rest of the show immediately. By the way, yo, I got my ass Rosa. Ask Rosa, you got your ask Rosa. This is fun. Okay, and we're gonna do all right. We're about to do ask Rosa. We just have some questions. Ask Rosa, let's do it. Ask, ask, dad jokes. Ask Rosa. Oh, I should have made it the hashtag. That's some black. That's some axe. True, you got the first question. Yeah. All right, go for it. How did you connect with managing? That's Ted Perez. Um, Brooklyn. Oh. <laughs> the Diallo trial happened. Yep. Mm-hmm. I broke up with my fiance up here. Moved back to New York. Moved to Brooklyn. Went to this little spot called Rockwell's. They said I had dreadlocks. Saw them perform. And me and Matulu um, particularly became friends and then it just happened I just became part of the RBG family I was also part of um, uh, the Black August Hip Hop project mm. which the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement uh, spearheaded along with other folks and um, you know was deep into that for seven to eight years um, and that's how I ended up really rolling with, with Dead Prez and I was working for the American Civil Liberties Union and they let me put together a tour with Dead Prez and Dave Chappelle and it was crazy and amazing and beautiful and they gave me money for it nice money's good and then I got fired it's as good it, as whiskey. but it was great Woo! I got fired the day the tour was over oh that's perfect timing I was yeah. like this is amazing and I had to check I had just met my husband so then he became part of the crew and then he met that Prez and he's like I'm on a flight this is great I just met you three weeks ago this but wait a insane. minute Rosa did, did the check clear though when they fired Rosa did the check clear all the checks cleared I don't know Rosa Anybody who knows And many people I've worked and managed Knows Rosa don't play Every check clear Nice nice Alright 20 years Next question Um, Recently the BBC announced That Idris Elba Will be back to reprise Reprise his role From the hit TV show Luther Yes I just lost the season Pass today You don't love this question Alright Tell us how you really feel. So, this December 17th. I just bought the season pass. It came out on iTunes. $4.99. Perfect. HD, too. It was amazing. HD. So, you heard of it. Yo, yeah. That's my show. Is it like only going to be two episodes or something four. like that? I know. Four. four. It's like, right, four. Right. What kind of season? It's like four episodes yeah. a England, season. Freaking Brits, man. Yes. I don't Damn know. Brits. What is, um, what's going on in London? It, uh, it premieres December 17th, and it is, it's two hours, four, or it's like two and a half hours, four episodes, something. Um, so, my question is um, who's hotter Idris Elba on Luther or Idris Elba on The Wire The Wire oh really oh yeah not the dapper Luther no okay not the sophisticated we all want the gangster you want the gangster honestly he's not really dapper (laughs) on Luther he was way more more rugged yeah but he's a little rugged no and he's always with a white girl come on oh that's losing shit that's part of it no disrespect I got yo I got white friends all disrespect I got one yo I got black friends exactly I got mad white friends 
<laughs> but put Idris in the wire, and he, you know, look, the wire is, you know, is probably the one of the best shows ever. Ever, so, oh, yeah, ever. Yeah. J Live on the soundtrack. What up? Yeah, yeah. Hey, oh, can, can I get my opinion on, on Idris Elba? Oh, you you have a man crush on him. Yes, you love it. Yeah. Idris Elba on the wire. Yeah. Yeah. That's my vote. Come on, definitely hotter on the wire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm glad I know that. <laughs> and hopefully Idris Elba on James Bond. James Bond. Yo, I'm, I yes. was watching Spectre earlier. Needs to have it's crazy. Yeah, but I think Idris would have been a better. I'm Spectre. telling you, man. I'm telling you. You got to do it. I'm hoping for do it. it. Fingers do crossed. Do Ask it. Rosa at Bshot Radio. All right, next question. Um, you've mentioned Dave Chappelle a few times uh, tonight on the show, and and your profile picture on. Facebook Facebook is Dave Chappelle. Yes. Um, recently, Dave was up here, yes. and he made some transphobic jokes in Albany while on tour. How do you suggest that activists reconcile the fact that many of our friends, family members, heroes, allies, and ourselves still harbor and express problematic sentiment? Yeah, you know, I, I've known Dave for a while, you know, and I have immense love and respect for him, and I think he's wrong on some things. I also think artists, for me, I'm not an artist, mm-hmm. but artist freedom has a special place in my heart. And and this is coming from someone that came at Rick Ross and where me and my um, another friend Talib Kweli we didn't have a falling out but we had some serious debates around you know the campaign I started against Rick Ross when he dropped his rape lyrics so um, I would definitely see it as probably a contradictory flaw in some of my stuff but also with artists I've never been I guess about censoring but definitely about holding them accountable and um yeah I'm probably a little fucked up for still enjoying his show and Dave himself but you know I have people in my own family that are transphobic and racist and I gotta work with them too okay I think that's an experience that a lot of people have because even as I was sitting in the audience I was extremely conflicted because he yeah. was saying some some incredibly truthful things and I'm a big fan of Dave and then the and, Bill and then Cosby he, stuff too yeah was that was like, really, that was probably but I was able to tell yeah. him that after the show I was like yo Dave what's good you just hit up you know? oh, see, no 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 I, I, we got to see him a little bit well, after that's the good. show like, so yeah. you actually did like you use that the ability yeah. to reach him to, to try oh, yeah. and hold him yeah. account and he, he actually was receptive to that like oh I know no I don't think he was like super like he wasn't nasty at all uh-huh. he was just like yo I'm a comedian I'm doing me and I was like yeah I'm gonna respect that and I'm gonna do me and let you know like I'm not, I wasn't feeling that you know uh-huh. but I also think you know in any one of us that might have a relationship with an artist or a yeah. celebrity or stuff like if as long as you can have those conversations, mm-hmm. then I feel like, you know, we human and human talk and we still got these flaws. Do you think any of your um, trans followers might be upset by that? And, or, and does that bother you? Or do you think that it's kind of one of those things that you just have to, we all have our own things that are uh, hypocritical and we just have to rationalize those and realize Yeah, that. I didn't get any anything. I mean, even trans folks that I was just with this week and were like, oh, fuck, you know, Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, like, you know? I was at his show. It was great, okay. you know? So, I mean, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, you're quoted as saying uh, the Green Party is no longer the alternative. Uh, the Green Party is the imperative. Recently, however, you've been critical of the Green Party. Uh, do you still feel that it's imperative? And are you supporting uh, Jill Stein for president? Yes. Whoever ends up wearing the primary, which I most likely will be Jill Stein. There's a couple other mm-hmm. people running. Yes. Um, and although the Green Party, I think, has a lot of problems, I think most of it being... Um, kind of stuck in an era, mm-hmm. um, not catching up really with 
uh, not being a modern party, not catching up really fully on. You on ran eight years center. ago. Were yeah. they there then, or no, have they fallen behind in the last? No, they've fallen even more behind okay. with even the social media and kind of more the way that we can do media. Um, and although the Green Party has social justice as one of its principal, uh, one of the four principles, I always have been critical of it around the, the racial justice. Mm-hmm. And really what it comes down to, and I've said this a lot, and I've said this to the folks, is that it's a bunch of, it's a party with the majority of people are over 60, 65. Um, it's not a super intergenerational party. It's not a multi-racial party on the top, even though if you look at state and local Green Parties, some of them are all people of color, and mm-hmm. I'm seeing more younger people come okay. into it. But the party needs to have a solid infrastructure. It has has to modernize as a party it needs a spokesperson it needs certain things and until that happens i don't think we move forward but i am a green party member and i will support the eventual still nominee. Our best bet despite those shortcomings you think easily there yeah i mean obviously when we won't win oh, yeah. a presidential election but what it is is that right like we can't continue a path where two parties run thing and where people don't understand that there's choices and that people get caught up in the federal election so much they don't realize that we can be capturing some of these cities and some of these state houses with eight, ten thousand votes because most of the electorate doesn't go and vote. Hmm. Like Howie Hawkins did amazing in New York. Mm-hmm. He got us the five percent and made us a permanent ballot now mm. in New York, where we don't have to fight for ballots as mm. against Cuomo. Wow. And and That's you're talking two hundred, maybe a million and a half dollars to almost forty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Wow! So the thing is that Howie's a good organizer, okay. and he's worked hard for that and achieved that. In order to do that, we need those type of people in the party. Okay, R- related to the party and uh, you running for for vice president. President, um, do you think your political endeavors are an indication that you have faith in the system? And if so, how much faith do you have in the system? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I ran, um, my mentor, Richie Perez, who was in the Young Lords Party, he was the one that instilled in me looking at electoral politics, but as a way to... Um, uh, that the that the grassroots uses electoral politics as a tactic, and that anybody who runs for public office, we have a duty to always hold them accountable because mm-hmm. they've chosen to represent the public. Look, um, looking at you, Mayor Sheehan. Yeah. So when Cynthia called me and asked me to run, I I probably. I was in, we were such in a weird place as a family that I was like, yeah, I'll run for vice president. I didn't even know what I was getting into. Mm. Like, I I knew it, but I didn't know Mm. until it happened. And I was like, I'm running for vice president of the United States. This is insane right Mm. now. Like, how is this Started from the bottom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that's what Drake should have started from the bottom. Now I'm here, right? Um, I feel around electoral politics that... I'm I'm also someone that was mentored by Chalkway Lumumba, who became mayor of Jackson, Mississippi, and unfortunately we lost him too soon. Mm-hmm. But I feel I feel very um, passionate about local politics and local issues, and about the federal uh, politics because. You know, these are the people in power that are really doling out what is the material resources that affect our people on a daily lives. So we have to hold them accountable. That being said, I don't know if I would ever, um, you know, 
want to run on a federal level, maybe a local level. You mean again? Again. And then maybe I'll feel differently four years from now if the electoral political system keeps failing us. And it keeps failing us. Good segue. Four years from now, can I get you to commit here tonight that you'll vote for Kanye West in 2020? No, I'm not voting. You heard it here. She said absolutely. Rosa Clemente supports Kanye West in 2020. No. You heard it here first. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. It's not Team Dead Press. I thought that was still Team Dead Press. Who gonna stop me, huh? No. Never, never, never. We'll pull that lever. Um, We're gonna do, I'll do one more question and we have some word association. Um, A question also. Oh, okay. A couple more questions. Um, the, the GOP debate is happening right now. Uh, oh, earlier yeah. this week, you said Donald Trump could actually become president, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, yes. Given the, the makeup of the electorate, yeah. Congress, the Supreme Court, um, do you think a nation under President Trump would be markedly <laughs> different than a nation under President Rosa Clemente? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Boom. <laughs> do I even have to answer that question? Oh, man. <laughs> Come on now. More four-finger rings, that's for sure. <laughs> Red RBG, True Masters during my inauguration. <laughs> Corey's gonna read a poem. Yeah. Diana's gonna, you know, do my theme song. Like, what he taught that, you know, Matula's gonna swear me in. <laughs> Reverend Seku is gonna do the the, the ben- benediction. Right, you definitely have the best party. I'm not oh doubting my God, that. Are you saying? <laughs> but get- It'd be the best two days of the White House best before I could execute it. I'd be like, that was the best 48 hours of my life. I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. And he just leave. No, no. I need, you know, like why Clef said to, you know, they assassinated on, on three days oh, after yeah, he yeah, became yeah. the president. I would free every political prisoner. Right away. I would tell the, the, the NSA. Do, can the president do that? Yeah, in like one day. Within the, one day. Okay. No, that. Um, amnesty for everybody who's undocumented within 24 hours, right? And then tell every credit agency and bank that you must forgive student loan debt. And then, like, ah. I'm out. In 72, I'm like, fuck, I'm dropped the mic and like, I'm, I'm out. out. <laughs> <laughs> you would be, be dead by the first one, but dead or the vice president could take over. Those are and Puerto Rico's free. I'm out. <laughs> Yo, she's walking out like making I'm last out. minute requests. I'm taking this lamp <laughs> and I'm gone. I don't even want nothing. <laughs> Yo, it's like the Armageddon movie. I just we don't want to pay taxes ever. ever. <laughs> <laughs> I want handicapped they parking. I want life. <laughs> All right, Jody, what do you got? The question I had So uh, last week A couple of weeks ago uh, I got a chance to meet you At the at the Cami meeting yeah. And you had your daughter with you And, yeah. and she mm-hmm. spoke on uh, On on a protest action That you guys did yeah. uh, And a dying at a mall And um and she was really excited to like tell the group about it, right. and uh, and I had uh, my wife and my son with me as well, who's three years old, and uh, it was inspiring to me. And I was just kind of wondering any advice or thoughts you had on uh, on on parents with with young kids that are interested in getting them involved in the movement uh, at a very young age, and and how to uh, get them involved, and then also kind of combat what everything else that they're going to be learning uh, as opposed to what they should be learning uh, from from here on out. Yeah, I mean, when um, I got pregnant, and you know. I made the decision. I'd always known that I would purposely racialize, racially socialize my child. It started with even 
her birth certificate at the hospital when they wanted to check her off as Hispanic and I was like you can give me a new birth certificate <laughs> and my husband's like you just had a baby and you were just sick can you just check that what did you check um, no I made the other and put black Puerto Rican um, no and just as my husband was mass supportive but he's like babe really? like, I'm, I'm like dude you know and he's one. like alright good like I got your back you know um, we made that decision together and um, so Alicia had her first protest was like four months right at the um, wow. racial justice day stuff and um, Alicia last year got heavily we were heavily involved with Black Lives Matter LA I mean and them kids were turning up like you know for real and I mean there was only one moment where we took her out and that's the police it was it was, it was getting rough and we knew at that moment we had to walk away mm. um, but she saw it right and she she saw the tear gas canister and she seen it and I mean she even went to one um, event in LA where her and Patrice uh, Colors, one of the founders of Black Lives Matter with some other of the young folks uh, disrupted the mayor and they t- took Patrice and the other adult away from the kids and you know she came home that day and I wasn't with her and uh, it was pretty traumatic for the kids and you know we had to like work that out and stuff and that night I told my husband like oh my god like did I make a mistake and you know we should have been there and but the thing is that right like we know that they kill seven-year-old black girls and they you know cops are raping black women and abusing little girls when they get arrested and all that kind of stuff so it's about um understanding see as in this this is what it comes back to the organizing piece I'm an organizer and I'm trained also in tactics. So I'm never going to put my daughter in any situation where she's not going to be safe. Not that I can fully guarantee that, but I know how to see a periphery. I understand when the police are vamping, what it means to get locked down, how we get out of the situation, how we run, where we go, what we do. Yeah, we tell our daughter that thing, those things, because me and my husband are clear that our daughter has a target on her back. We can't. No, we're not even in that space right now. So I feel what we do as a family, me and my husband, is we're arming our daughter. And with that comes a high level of intellectual self-esteem that me and him didn't have at our age. I mean, when I was 10... I was going through so much stuff, you know, and and things being done to me by men and stuff. My daughter's about to be 11, and she's at a level that I only wish most kids could be at. Part of it, too, is that then we also turn it down a little, right? Like, okay, be a kid. Go play Minecraft. Go watch some TV, right? right? Yeah, we, we have the balance. With some families we see don't quite have that balance. But the thing is that when Alicia makes choices, She's making very interesting choices. Like she's very clear. Like she's thinking about it. Like that's not working for me. I ain't into no Disney stuff. I'm not into no Barbie. This is not hetero patriarchy shit. No, no. She'll be like, Mama. Smoke screen. Yeah, she'll be like, you know, Mama. There's some real heteronormative actions going on right now. And she was great. Oh, then she'll 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 say to me, Mama, how come you always watch the Real Housewives? And I'll be like, How come you watching some YouTube? She's like, But I'm watching some black people. You watching some white women I'm because they're crazy and it's not only white women I'm white it's just she's like that doesn't make sense and then I say to her right because that's how I am as a human being when folks ask me how do you do downtime 
I'm a fun person. Like I tell people, I turn up, I go to the club. I'm 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 trying to be around like ratchet environments. You know, I go. I just went to a drag show in Chicago. I'm like, that's what we do. Like I'm not I'm not that you know. I thought you were at a convention. I was, and then I went to the drag show at (laughs) one a.m. After we wrote the manifesto, I went to the drag show. That's what we do. (laughs) Because the revolution should be fun. Mm. It should be intergenerational. You know, it shouldn't be uptight. Like, who wants to be who? What young person wants to come to a room Mm. and everybody's stuffy and everybody's dry, sad? Mm -hmm. And no, thank you so much for saying that. Can I just say the reason? The first time I was ever interacted with you and Patricia. Colors what had nothing to do with the activism we do. It was because um, the Black Lives Merch shir- shirts and stuff that we do. A lot yeah. of them are kind of like fun, and we wanted right. to like find humorous ways to, to engage people in the movement. Yeah. And you saw one of the shirts, and Patrice saw one of the shirts, and and I was able to finally meet. I met you at Larkfest, and I was like yeah. a huge like fan of yours. And to, even just to be sitting here next to you is still yeah. pretty incredible to me. And to talk to talk to Patrice just through that, and um, I've gotten people that said to me like, "Oh, this is you know you shouldn't make light of such thi- like things like this with with a, no. a shirt that's humorous." And I'm just like, you man, I, you know, we, we can approach this in a way like you can only sometimes you can only laugh at your pain and you need to process it. And if you can get the message across in a way that's humorous, but also serious, like to me, that's su- a and, super important part of what Dick I do. Gregory talks about that. Yeah. Mm. And, and Paul Mooney talks about that. Oh, and, Paul, yeah. You know, so the, the thing is that the movement is our lives. That's our family's lives. Sometimes we need a break. But when we go in, we go in. And I'm, I'm raising a, a, a human being, a, a child or some gender assignment. I am, um, we, me and my husband and my comrades and our larger community, my family. But me and my husband, we made some purposeful decisions from the beginning to raise Alicia in a very certain way. And to see it begin to manifest where she could be at a meeting and be like, yo, this is what we did. And in fact, when she left that meeting, she said, mama, we need a BLM chapter. We got to turn up. We got to <laughs> right, turn up to in all. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yes. I can yes. see it. I can hear you it in her know? voice. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Thank so, you. Yeah. No, I was, I was just going to say I was at Talk House on Saturday. I did that party. <laughs> yep. And um, Angelica, Sophia, yeah. and Mari—they were all there. And I bought them drinks. And I was—and I just said to them, I whispered before I went back to my turntables. I bought them drinks, and I was just like, "Yo, the struggle needs a drink, yo." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. No. The revolution right. should be yeah. drunk. They were like, yes. and, "And when you look at a lot of our elders, like <clears throat> um, I had an honor of, of being mentored by Kwame Ture." Mm. Um, Kwame Ture, like you sit with him, and he was fun. You know, he was serious, and then he'd be like, "Okay, let's, you know, let's just go to a bar. I don't drink, but I want to see you have fun. Let's go do some karaoke or some crazy." And you're like, "This is Kwame Ture, or this is so and so," and you're like, "Right," because the part and France Fanon talks about this. They want to kill our dreams. They want to kill our fun. We can't let this. They want to kill your spirit. Period. You know, and we we always have to be part of movement work is you got to attract people and you can't be attracting people when all organizers are sullen or you know not happy or just sometimes just being like yo let's take just care chill yourself. out self yeah. care self care is important so I tell Mani yeah. and Sophia with the self care they were yep. telling me we don't need any martyrs mm-hmm. in the movement alright let's I'll play some disco for you let's do a little a word association yeah. now you can That's say it. whatever you want you don't just have to respond with one word but okay. um, I'm just going to throw a few words at you tell me what you think about it uh-huh. um, first one's pretty contemporary uh, Latinx Latinx is very new um, to me I'm very happy and 
completely impressed with how we have changed language in less than a year, mm. particularly those of us that identify as Afro-Latinx folks and young people are just pushing it, and I love it. Okay. Wait, what's Latinx? What is that? It replaces the O and the A in, um, in Spanish in language ah. with genders, oh, everything. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So the X replaces the gender, so Latinx ah. is genderless. Yo, straight up, I thought it was like something I blow my nose with from <laughs> Like, <laughs> and it's funny because we're all like we're let like Afro Latino Latina Afro Latinx Latina because I've been doing academic work around Afro Latino Latina identity for so long and then in less than in fact it just happened the first time I saw it really was in October when I went to Oberlin to speak and they said you're gonna uh, we'd like you to keynote the Afro Latinx and then I looked it up academically and it has been replaced in the um, Puerto Rico and other places um, especially in the academy for a while mm-hmm. but it just take hold the last couple of months I love that so that's the new wave that's what we gotta yeah. stick with get rid of the at thing we're yeah just it's, it's basically it's queered it okay right so it's, just, it's, it's okay. queered it yeah, so all, yeah. all the spectrum the whole spectrum yeah, is representative like, you know, in, 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 the simplest way to think of it is how Malcolm took X to represent oh, okay. what was missing, oh, right? Nice. Or, oh, wow. Yeah. Now I like it a little more. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. that uh, cool. Yeah. Um, well, all right. Next word. Um, uh, Herman Bell. Oh, Herman Bell. We need to free Herman Bell. Um, well, first, we need to free all our political prisoners. Um, Herman Bell is um, one of our Black Liberation Army freedom fighters, and he's up for parole in February 2016. And we need to get them out. Some of them are hitting 70, 72. It's disgusting that they've been in jail for 40-some years. Herman Bell is also a person that founded Victory Gardens um, that is gardens that gives food back to the people and um, I've known his son since his son was a teenager, Shamel Bell and um, we've been working hard for years to get all of them out but Herman is the one that we can really push to see free in February 2016. Um, not to get off word association too much but what, what would you say to people who who would read about Herman Bell's um, alleged crimes and say you know he's, he's he murdered people, he should not be released? Well, I mean, there's a question, did he murder people? And there's a question of revolutionary violence Mm -hmm. um, as a good thing and paramilitary organizations. And, you know, the United States government is guilty of genocide and slavery. Mm -hmm. So... That's what I would say. Cool. Um, All right. next uh, word association. Uh, Mi gente. Mi gente, my people. I, you know... um, I was just at a conference of a convening of a a, a new kind of. Um, this was before the drag club, right? Yeah, right yeah, before. No, <laughs> the thing is, I I'm the OG, and the 27 year olds wanted to go home, and I was still at the drag club because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're tired. I'm like, what are you talking about? We got three more drag queens about to come out. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> um, mi gente, you know, it's just the people, you know, and. And we, especially in the Latino, Latina community, that's such an term of endearment, much like brothers and sisters in the African-American community. And, it, you know, I also think mi gente always speaks to the people who are not, you know, as Fred Hampton said, we are not the pigs. We are not power. Mm. You know, and I was just in Chicago this weekend for a convening of mi gente, um, which is a 
coming together of some really radical Latinx folks, um, young folks, folks that have had been doing some reform work that are like, this ain't working, folks that are trying to change the narrative of the Latinx community around immigration not just being our only issue. And if it is that we're not trying to reform the system, we're not happy with the DREAM Act, we're not happy with making mass incarceration better, we're talking about abolitionists, and it was so dope, it was doper than I thought, so look out for them, it's mihente.net but that term itself is just the people in love. Perfect. Mm. Yeah. Um, Cosby. Her own shirtless oh, one. <laughs> yeah. Cosby. Uh, serial rapist who should be in jail. Boom, period. Um, this is a phrase, open the debates. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, imagine it's Cynthia McKinney mm-hmm. and Ron Paul and Ralph Nader have been on the stage right. with Mitt Romney and Barack Obama. And imagine mm. me on the stage with Joe Biden <laughs> and Sarah Palin. Oh, my God. First, I would have probably liked Joe Biden a little better, and I would have smashed Sarah Palin. <laughs> Smash. Oh, my God. After I took her nice glasses, I would have smashed her. <laughs> she has some flashes. <laughs> Them glasses be sound. So obviously, you think we need to open the debates to oh, more yeah. than just Oh, yeah. I two. mean, like, what kind of country that says it's, a, it's, right. the, it's the heart of democracy mm-hmm. is like, okay, then we're only going to let the two parties control everything. Thing right. and debate, even though there are literally other parties on the ballot, I I am not a libertarian fan in whatsoever. In or uh, well, a little bit more than a Democrat, but the libertarians have some crazy policies as around racial justice. But yes, Ron Paul should have debated, and Cynthia should debate, and Jill Stein. Imagine mm. Jill Stein oh, yeah. against Hillary, mm. and even Bernie. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. That would be way more entertaining too. Even then, more entertaining than this GOP stuff, which is kind of entertaining too, because they're ridiculous. It's entertaining if it's not as scary. Yeah. yeah, If it weren't terrifying. I mean, the Republicans have stolen the election before, so I don't understand how people think they won't again. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. you know, Um, Baltimore. Um, Rebellious, uprising, dope people, leaders of a beautiful struggle, and those that are not ever going to sell out and are not on any reform. Nice. Any thoughts on what happened with? the um, officer today or, or whatever. The jury's deadlocked. The jury deadlocked, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I never think cops are going to get convicted. You mm-hmm. know, I, you know, part of that is always that the families are obviously you, well, the thing around working around police brutality issues is, and Richie Perez taught us this, is that you center the families first. Mm-hmm. But even in centering the families, there's some things, right, that still have to happen because it ends up being bigger than that individual case. Um, So I don't think anybody who's done this work and understands the system is thinking that these cops are going to be convicted. Mm -hmm. And if they are convicted and it's black cops, that's a whole crazy dynamic that we are not even prepared to deconstruct, right? right? Like, okay, Mm -hmm. yeah. So now the cops that are going to get convicted are the black cops. Just the black cops. And that's 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 been what's happening in New York where they had, um, uh, it was the Asian American. No, he hasn't been convicted yet. Oh, he was just charged. He's been charged and there's been no cops convicted in New York. Remember that. There was one white cop up in Westchester County. Um, 
um, and then um, we had the cop um, Meserly and and the Oscar Grant trial, but he had four years, and the cop, the judge let him out after nine months or something. So I don't think now if the conviction happens, there are people who are abolitionists who don't believe in prisons. Mm-hmm. So like when the the cop we've seen convicted is the cop Holowitz out in Oklahoma who raped 13 or if not more black women Mm -hmm. and even when he was just recently convicted last week some of the stuff on Twitter was bad like when people or Facebook were like now he's gonna get raped well people who are abolitionists we don't support inhumanity like that no we're not high cheering that he's convicted yes that's the victory but then when he's in the system I'm not advocating for him to be raped or shanked or whatever. That's that's completely See, this is when your values Yeah. This is what Dr. King talked about. Mm-hmm. You do when do you compromise? You never compromise you never. integrity and principles and values. Um so yes, yeah, so I want to see cops get convicted. Of course I do because the more them get convicted, the more we'll stop doing this shit. Mm-hmm. It's a lesson. It's a lesson of accountability. But even in the system of mass incarceration for those that deserve to be in it, which is very few people in this country in mm-hmm. general, there has to be humanity in that. As much as humanity, and, and that sounds contradictory, how, what humanity can you have when you take someone's freedom? Mm-hmm. Well, folks like that have made purposeful choices. 90% of people in mass incarceration have done nothing to be up in there. Mm-hmm. And that can change the whole nature of how we even look at how we incarcerate a human being for the rest of their lives. That um, that point about rape is something we brought up here a few times. Like whenever a rapist is convicted, there's like all these rape jokes about yeah, how hope, hope they get theirs. Yeah, and no. it's, it's like we're you know saying rape is never okay shouldn't be like some well in this case it's like you know that it's you can't ne- you can't never. compromise on that and talk to people who who've been incarcerated who had to protect themselves or seen it happen or were afraid of it happen. That's that's it's, it's disgusting. We cannot go to that lowest common denominator. You know that's the problem with humanity right now mm-hmm. you know let's, let's switch gears a tiny bit um you kind of you're referred to as a hip-hop activist on a mm-hmm. lot of um a lot of sites and just i yeah. think you've mentioned it a few times even tonight on the show um do you feel that revolutionary hip-hop has kind of vacated like it's not as present in hip-hop anymore or do you think it's there but it's just you have to dig past iggy azalea and like all the mainstream yeah. artists yeah i don't even listen to radio so i don't i don't like you know i shot radio withstanding yeah no no mm-hmm. i don't I mean mainstream radio You know like I don't really turn on the radio like that Mm -hmm. Um, So no Look Hip hop to me Is always the voice of the voiceless Mm -hmm. There's a difference between Hip hop and what I call The rap industrial complex Right Right right. Iggy and You know Bow Wow And Jay Z And all Mm -hmm. Whatever Do you Like be good rappers Or not I don't I don't really pay attention to that Hip hop is a culture It's a You know It's It's so much bigger Like how Depress it's bigger than hip hop. Or Matulu says in one of his recent songs, "Don't get trocked and uh, don't get locked in that trick box." Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, for me, hip hop and everything I've been around, especially when I was really hardcore on the road and being around a lot of artists, 
my whole notion of hip hop is very radical and revolutionary. I don't really like having arguments anymore about like good music, bad music, mm-hmm. sexism, and all. Of, you know, like we can have those debates, but the essence of hip hop is. That is people who create something out of literally nothing. Mm -hmm. And even though it's become a billion dollar industry, practitioners of the culture, including the fifth element of those who use journalism or public speaking or organizing as that knowledge, culture and politics, we know, we, we understand where hip hop lies. And to me, it's still the most revolutionary cultural thing we have Mm -hmm. that links us all globally. Nice. You know, yeah. um, I don't want to dominate this. If anyone wants to jump in, by the, by oh, yeah. jump in. I feel like Jody has always got. <laughs> I'm, I'm really just listening. I know, right? Just, I'm yeah. just soaking it up, Yo, man. This is, is this there is any, fascinating. Is there any online ask roses? Yeah, well, yeah, there actually is. Um, but it's not really related to anything we're talking about. But it's kind of interesting. That's cool. Uh, I mean, and it, it ties into one of our topics now. Anyway, um, okay. do you like Star Wars, Star Trek, or Star Wars? Uh, Star Trek. Star Trek. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I agree with you 100. I mean, can you, we get some black people up in? Well, we right? do this time, right? <laughs> this yeah. time, are you going to see Star Wars? Are you, you are you movie buff, and are you going to see Star Wars? I am a movie. I I have um, it's crazy. I have very bad migraines, so I can hardly go to a movie. When I do go, I'm like. I think the last movie I might have seen was Selma, mm-hmm. um, and oh, that's yeah. look. I'm, I'm gonna drop a name. Ava was like, "You want to come?" I was like, "Yes, I'm coming to sure. come see your movie." Yeah, we'll sure. You're like, "Hang on, Ava." I'm Ava, on the other line. And then, <laughs> tell me who's on the other yeah, line. No, no, no. no she was like, she was on the other line with B-Shot Radio. That's and the thing was. was, we were living in, and we were living in wow. LA, and I said, "This is such an LA moment." First of all, Ava called me, then Common texts me, and I'm gonna see Obama David. Text, I'm like, "This is insane!" Wow. <laughs> but I am a movie f- um, I, I love um, watching movie I think again because I've been around And I continue to be around artists Especially amazing filmmakers Like you know I mean one of my favorite docs is Illmatic And my girl Martha Diaz yeah. was one of the producers I know one nine I've seen a lot of these cats also Grind for 15 mm-hmm. years To do some stuff Like the cinematographer for Selma mm-hmm. is His name is Brad Young, yeah. we went to Katrina together oh, and wow. filmed our mini documentary. Mm, wow. So to see people using that artistic craft to me, I have a love for artists. Okay. Like if I'm a groupie, I'm a groupie for artists, oh, whether artists they're DJs, painters, graph artists, or whatever, because they're doing something so incredible that I can't even imagine that in one song, one spin, one movie, one still can make me feel so many ways about one thing and be so mm. subversive politically or overtly political. So I have such a high level of respect for filmmakers. And yeah, I love so but of course I'm gonna see Star Wars put Star Trek. I feel was very kind of revolutionary. Of has time. some subversive yeah. stuff around capitalism, even mm. though you you're not really dealing with capitalism up there, but you kinda mm. are. And you have Uhura. Come on. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, it's a black right. woman on T 
TV your best, in the 60s. Your best bud, Ava, turned down the directing role for yeah. Black Panther. Yeah, um, she's not my best bud. She, your best buds. She's a friend. Um, <laughs> I couldn't even get her Barbie doll, so we ain't best friends like Yo, that. Yo, they sold out. Like, I know. Sold out. I was like, Ava, what's good? She's like, I can't help you. Like, That's totally a best bud conversation. <laughs> By the way, JB, when my uh, doll comes out, you'll be the first one to have it. Oh, Thank I want you. it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, there, were, there were talks of Ryan Coogler taking the directive role. He just directed yeah. Creed, which I saw this weekend, yes, and it was freaking so. amazing. I thought it was amazing. I blew me away, and yeah. I'm a movie snob. It might, it might, I think it may have been the best movie this year. Mad Max I love, too. So yeah. it, Mad Max was not even close, bro. It really was on a lot of levels. I, I, I think, no, what, I think, I've seen Mad Max four times. I fell asleep four I, times I'm trying so to watch Mad Max. We tried to watch <laughs> Mad Max, me and Justin. I was like, God, and I... Too much. Like too much Talk talking. Yeah. I love Mad Max anyway. All right. Nah, bro. I love the movie. Close. But, but, but Creed, Creed is ish. on a whole other end of the spectrum. Yeah. But I, I was going to go see it I again with somebody who I was going to go with this weekend. They was tired. <laughs> wait, wait, you fell asleep four times in the movie. You going to get on him for being tired? No, man. I fell asleep on Mad Max, not Creed. I watched nah. the whole You will thing. not fall asleep during Creed. I, Creed was so dope. I freaking yeah. loved it. No, I DJed five nights in a row, man. I'm sorry. I agree with you. Ryan Coogler. Feels good under the bus. Ryan Coogler, he stepped it up big time. Yeah. He, he directed Fruitvale Station, yeah. um, which I liked, but I, I, it wasn't like where I wanted it to be. But yeah, some people he, have some good. I mean, and I think critiques is probably making uh, Ryan a better filmmaker. Yo, he, yeah, he definitely. Like I yeah. couldn't believe that it was the same yeah. director. So I'm, I want him to direct Black Panther. Yeah. Are you into the whole comic genre thing? Uh, I, Avengers, Marvel, like what's up? I, I, I mean, I'm a Wonder Woman fanatic. Okay. Okay. okay? And I'm. She's also, in Batman and Superman coming yeah. out. So are you hyped for that? Well, we'll see what role they give her. Mm. Okay. You know, um, I also uh, my daughter is um, a Miss Marvel fan, and yes. I'm so excited about that. Right, yes. like a Muslim because that's in production too. Yeah. That's a yeah, that and just the comics alone. Yeah, and, and then there's also a good friend of mine, Edgardo Miranda Rodriguez, with um, DMC of um, Run DMC. Uh, they have DMC Comics, mm-hmm. and he's been doing stuff on Lolita LeBron and the Young Lords and stuff. I was in fact the first things I remember reading may not be the best comics right were um, Betty and Archie and those kind of comics yeah I remember right? those but, too yeah. you not know, a lot and, of black and brown people in those comics yeah no not at not all, at all. Not no at I mean I never saw any black folks right, right. like um, but I think the genre of comics as well as science fiction is where you can see the most expansion of a black politic yeah. and in, again in these and I talk about a black politic including a Muslim woman or a Puerto Rican um, superhero and stuff so I I love it and I'm so glad and I even have a graphic novel for Lisa that you know is appropriate and she really likes the comics and mm-hmm. that's how I got into reading and loving just kind of creating even though I wasn't an artist mm-hmm. yeah cool um, JB posted an awesome article that was talking about uh, soul music and how white soul singers usually have more success than their black counterparts um, Adele being a good example of yeah. that nowadays uh, Adele just announced her world tour it's supposed to sell out immediately um, do you think like what are your thoughts on that and why that is and what are the implications of the fact that uh, black music sells more f- when it comes from white bodies I mean it's always done that right yeah. like, we have the mm-hmm. 40s and the 50s of many yeah. black or or Latin artists especially uh-huh. around the Boogaloo movement yep, yep. that were replaced by white looking Latinos mm-hmm. or Spanish or stuff like that yep. oh yes yep. yes and even Mongo Santa Maria first they didn't want to put him on an album or Celia Cruz they wanted to lighten her up mm-hmm. so you know I'm a music lover I 
I was like, if Adele's coming, I'm buying a ticket if I can. <laughs> um, but I also, you know, look, I'm a political person. So then I'm like, I understand when J. Cole, and I love when J. Cole <laughs> says, you know, we worried about individuals, but white people have snatched the sound. Mm. I think there's a lot to be said about cultural appropriation. And I think there's a new generation of young folks that are pushing back. J. Cole's one of them. Absolutely. I think Badu is my age, but pushing back on Iggy Azalea is completely necessary. Mm. When Eminem came out, a lot of us pushed back. Eminem was always a different example, though, because he comes from a completely poor working class yeah. community, and he has a different racial sensibility, mm-hmm. and he always made it clear in his career there was certain language he was not going to use, mm-hmm. and he was going to not ask the question why a white man should not use the N-word. Mm-hmm. I don't think Macklemore is horrible. You know, I think he's saying some things that white kids of that generation are feeling like, wait, mm-hmm. I got this white privilege. How am I going to talk about it? Maybe I'm a little liberal. I'm not looking for radicalism. So, you know, in effect, someone who's really made me be very purposeful at not just shutting down or being so hardcore radical and political and like who makes musical it has been Talib Mm -hmm. because Talib is one of those artists that's a consummate performer and artist but that takes and and is inspired by everyone and one too from Dead Prez like one of his biggest inspirations is Pink Floyd so I think that's the problem right in general with white supremacy and racism that puts us in these crazy categories where we can't enjoy someone for the gift or artistry they have that being said i understand the music industry i've read the books i know what happens what it essentially comes down to america loves black culture it thrives on it it needs it to live and sustain and then what i always think is what chuck d always says and he does a lot of talks. I've been on a lot of panels with him. He'll be like, who loves hip hop? Mm-hmm. Do you love black people? And he's Crickets. like, the minute the minute you hesitate, <laughs> then that's the problem. The show's <laughs> over. Yeah, the show's <laughs> over. So I, I've seen cultural appropriation happen. Um, and I think there's enough people that now push back on it. So I'm all about if the art is good, I'm rolling with it. And any genre, whatever, I don't get caught up in these categories that the music industry also puts on us. Mm. You know? Um, and, speaking of Talib, uh, most deaf, aka Yasin Bey, recently had a uh, like a little speech or radio interview that he did yeah. when the Paris attacks happened. That was um, incredible. Did you, you, you heard it? Or no, I haven't heard it. I just, oh, okay. I got the link, but I didn't hear this speech. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Forget that next question no. well, well let me say I won't I don't know about it but I would say I, I would think that you know Yasin was probably saying some really okay. relevant incredible things and part of our, our work around Black August and the Black August Hip Hop Project see we started working with cats in the early 90s we were working with Black Thought The Roots mm-hmm. Common Fat Joe and part of the Black August Hip Hop Project was artists who were you know our age but to give them some um, to, to push some more politics not that they didn't have some political consciousness I mean obviously M1 Talib comes from a political household all that were already coming to the table but part of it is working with artists because we know they have such an incredible voice. So even if Common has gone more the mainstream, like Common also had understands Asada Shakur and made a song about Asada Shakur on his album like Water for Chocolate. And these were incredible moments in the 90s. These weren't just like back 
Tupac rappers, when you hear the music, they were pushing, particularly the line of political prisoners and, and the Black Panther and the Black Power and the Brown Power movement. Um, and I just had an opportunity for a lot of years to be around them. So to see some folks now, you know, have such high levels of political consciousness and still doing the work is good. Mm. It's good, you know. So I'm sure y'all seen how good yeah, stuff if you, to if you say. get a chance definitely I, I would encourage to you to listen interview. to it and anyone yeah. listening if you get a chance to listen to that interview uh, he tries to kind of connect the dots between what happened to Tamir Rice and uh, what happened oh, yeah. in Paris with the terrorist attacks and how these are in not just uh, isolated incidents they're all connected in what's happening and globally and especially for hip hop artists that get to travel internationally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they've mm-hmm. seen the world mm-hmm. that immortals talking about Palestine and you know um, Hassan Salam is talking about Palestine and Yassin has been there I mean, Yasin also did an experiment where he was waterboarded. Amazing. Mm. Oh, yeah, right? I like, yeah. and the thing that he's talking about food, in there is... Yeah. yeah. Talib does 300 too. shows a year and is going all over the world. There's not a show that Talib's not going to where he's not talking about Black Lives Matter or political prisoners. There's not somewhere that Jessica Camore or Mani Azuri or Tony Blackman, you know, the DJs, even the DJs, Fable, the pop lockers, like, they're all bringing those politics. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why hip-hop is incredible mm-hmm. in that way out of any genre or any or, or rap the rap element of hip hop mm-hmm. you know yeah um, we're, we're going to wrap up really soon. There's a mm-hmm. few other things we're going to touch on, and if anyone else has any questions. Um, but I did want to mention, you, you're wearing a, an Ankh medallion like on your person. Yeah. And uh, do you feel like, uh, we talk about hoteps on this show sometimes. Do you feel sometimes they've uh, they've co-opted some of these symbols? And how do you deal with people who are in uh, the struggle or in the movement, but they lack some intersectionality, and they're just kind of like all about black men, basically, you know, really like uplifting black men, but they don't really care about so much about black women. Or trans women of color and all these other yeah. things. Like, how do you uh, how do you approach those people? Or I don't. Do you just, you just don't associate. With yeah, I don't associate with that. I don't. I mean, as a woman of color. Um, you know, and and the legacy of women of color in this work, I don't even stay in those spaces anymore, right? Oh, nice. um, so, to me, those are completely antiquated, old ideas that are being rejected left and right by the grassroots, right? So, mm-hmm. that's why Jesse Jackson is booed even in his hometown of Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's why Al Sharpton and Cornell Williamsbrook and the NAACP get run out of Ferguson. Mm-hmm. That's why Michael Eric Dyson's from Baltimore but can't go to Baltimore. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it's just like, Did you ever prescribe you know, to any of these uh, ideals before you were? Uh, I've always put. I've been that chick. <laughs> I've been that chick on panels with these men who've called them out, who've been pushed back, who've no, been. I mean, have you ever been that oh, person? Like before you oh, were me? more radicalized. Did, did you ever feel any of this, this, con- you know, like this contempt or this, not really caring about uh, trans women or different groups and just oh, no. all about blackness, Look, but not other I, groups. I would say. My entire, probably up until, I don't know, maybe 2003, 2004, I didn't even understand intersectionality. Like, obviously, I was in a suba, mm-hmm. but I didn't have any good politics around women or LGBTQ people. Unless I wasn't intolerant, but I was invisibilizing mm-hmm. folks, right? And even lately, in fact, I was telling my husband... Obviously, with the Black Lives Matter moment, the fact that it's been queered and that trans people have taken a role, I 
had no interactions politically with trans people until I just went to a delegation six or seven months ago. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, the entire time, I was like, I'm fucked. Like, I haven't been seeing this. I've been invisibilizing people. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. But, you know, and I was talking to, to one of the sisters that was trans, and I told her that. And she's like, Girl, we all fucked up. Like <laughs> it, it's taking you now, but you're recognizing. I'm like, no, I, I I just feel some way about it, and sh- you know. And then I thought about what my mentor Richie Perez also said that revolution is internal and it's an ongoing process, right? So when we're confronted with who we're invisibilizing, and I'm confronted with my heteronormative behavior, the minute I know the right thing to do, then it's my time to step up. But also step back It's my time to listen And I always feel very comfortable In saying I have a flaw Like check me Like Mm -hmm. what am I doing wrong Should I be doing this Should I be doing that Like what should I be doing better Mm -hmm. And I think that's what ultimately Makes us revolutionaries That we're continuing to grow And transform And check ourselves And check our own privileges That we bring to the table And so there's hope There's hope for hoteps There's hope for people who Like everyone Even ourselves Like every day I do something problematic and I'm just like I, you know well you have to be purposeful as the person right yeah, yeah. so I don't know if there's hope for all the whole type uh-huh. kind of folks or all I don't mean brothers. to get on them just like everyone no but I don't like, I, and no there's some people that but there's a certain age is what I'm saying oh really no I think there's a cutoff. what I'm saying is that <laughs> what's the age I, Rose, Rose, what's the 35 age? Oh, no 35 oh. no, <laughs> no well, and this is and this is the example what I'm saying is well hope is if, lost for me if you're still a, a a 42-year-old brother that identifies as heteronormative and you're in spaces and you, you're you on panels and it's always dudes and it's always this or whatever, you have a fucking problem, mm. right? Th- there's a problem. I think the trans-queer question and what we're being confronted with is so new that a lot of us are like, we just got to get there now. We don't even have time. Like, we're already behind, so I'm mm. following your lead right Ooh. now. And it's my turn to shut the fuck up and follow your lead. But there's some people that prey on not having intersectionality mm. and they know what they're doing and they're doing it because they get rewards of it. Mm-hmm. No, though, I don't got hope for them cats. Mm. Like, I don't have hope for Rick Ross. Mm. You used to be a CEO. You lot people up and then you're almost 40 years old talking about a song of date raping women. Mm-hmm. There's no coming back from that. There's no coming back from that kind of behavior at that age. Nah. I have a question. Um, Being a woman, a black woman, um, who loves hip-hop, and I've always compared it to being in an abusive relationship where you love the man who abuses you because hip-hop has been super masculine but and sometimes um, degrading to women. Um, One of the issues I have is as a black woman and a black woman who is a dark-skinned black woman is colorism. Mm-hmm. And that issue is rarely, rarely addressed. Um, you know, I definitely want to listen and understand um, my transgender sisters and transgender brothers. Um, and under, and we do need to catch up. And, but we also need to understand us black people, period, no matter what your um, preferences are or your gender identity is, colorism because I believe that's destroying us from within so how do we 
get to a place where we're now we're talking about it because no one seems to want to talk about that you know and I go to work I'm a teacher I go to work I see little dark skinned black girls they just two girls got to a fight in the bathroom cut each other's face up one cut the other's face up and that's self-hate that's self-hatred you look like me I'm going to destroy you you know and it's because of the messages they're getting that you're less valuable than the pretty light-skinned girl you're less valuable than the um, Latina girl you know your hair is not silky enough you know so do you think just um, by like shutting it things. down when, when it approaches like when it comes up we just kind of have to call it out or is that what you like we a, have to accountability call, yeah. has been a theme tonight and you think whenever uh, I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth but yeah. when that stuff comes up and I, I see it on Facebook and I see it uh, you know I saw it growing up um, you know light skinned girls are prettier than dark girls essentially like the, the but whole. also are we going to call it out like when we see brothers doing it the messages uh-huh. that brothers are sending to sisters is particularly our young sisters when they change Choose when we're celebrating men who um, are choosing, purposely choosing women who are either white or white looking, and for that purpose, and they're saying that this is a prize. This is like I'm better because I have this, or this is a come up. Yeah. You know, those are the messages that are being sent to young women. Yeah, I mean, but I, I also think that's not every brother. No, it's not every you know, brother. And look, I think mm. first, like, when I look at hip-hop culture, I don't look at uh, rap music is not hip-hop. Like, there's a difference. Hip-hop culture in itself has not been sexist. Rap music has been. Mm. Yeah. But you look at graffiti culture, B-girl, B-boy culture, DJ culture, Women have always been integral. Yeah, I'm just referring to yeah. like um, so. I'm referring to rap, like the lyric. No, like, that's what yeah, I say. I, yeah. And 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 the thing is, I'm not. I'm not a. Uh, I don't. Uh, you know. That has always been problematic, the rap music, but music in general has always been misogynistic and violence towards women in general. We live in a society of patriarchy. Under patriarchy, the colorism issue, especially because we live in a society that one drop of black blood makes you black, um, you know, we have 200 years of a history where particularly those of those folks that are dark skin have been discriminated discriminated against including paper bag tests including how you know HBCUs accepted or did not accept folks to this day but when you look at the last five to seven years around black feminism and 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 the push to address particularly how dark-skinned women continue to be discriminated on at every level it then is our job right to confront that at every point but i think the society and media always privileges whiteness not every latina is Mm -hmm. light-skinned there are black dominican women black colombian women black honduran women sisters that are darker i obviously enjoy privilege as someone who is light-skinned so I think that's such a very significant question living in a society that particularly not only devalues women, but then in that devaluing of women, black, dark-skinned women have always been the most brutalized, the most devalued, the most inhumane. I think this is why the Black Lives Matter moment movement is so fascinating, right? Because it's breaking down every barrier. Mm. But then how does that translate to our communities and our young people? I'm not sure 
because the media messaging is so horrible around women in general. So I think that's that hardcore work where organizers have to do better at being with the community and rooting that stuff out from the beginning, mm. from the giddy Um, And I mean five, six, seven, eight, not 17, 18, or 19. Yeah, because Because by by then then it's it's all has said in. And then you have um, women who are darker skin or or particularly women who are darker skin who might not have an understanding of the system, but are getting um, fucked by it basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard the term acting light-skinned? Yes. Yeah. The girl, that's what they're saying at at school now. Um, Yeah. Stop acting light-skinned. So I guess my question is and in a way is how do we break into what is pop culture hip hop yeah to counteract those messages because I think it's all about what we expose our, our, our like what do we then pro- purposely expose them to and it's hard the to filters pretty much it's we hard to do that through the mainstream it's hard to filter it out in a society where the the interconnection can happen just through a phone what it is is really how do we become more purposeful as those of us who are revolutionary at confronting that hmm. how do we uplift that I'm not as pressed for like a group of brothers who end up being with white women or light skinned girls. You no, know, I'm more about like the, the young girls themselves in particular. Mm. How do we address and uplift that? I think every generation needs a black is beautiful movement. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. We we understand that the black politic is beautiful. Do we understand the black body is? Well, obviously the state doesn't. Yeah. And then internally we don't because we internalize so much of this oppression. Yeah. So a lot of that is the internal decolonization that needs to happen. I feel like a lot of movements forget kids. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I'm really, yeah. you know, for me, looking at, because they're the ones who are going to, like, take that um, baton and and go on with it. Right. And you can't grow a healthy tree from with sick roots, with unhealthy roots. So, you know, it's not about not liking white women or disliking interracial relationships. Yeah. But it is about saying... Tanisha hates white women. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But it is about... I I am someone who I believe... I I love my light-skinned, dark-skinned. I love my sisters, and I like the fact that you... Record, call yourself a woman who is black. I yeah. like that. I think that's beautiful because what you're speaking is truth. I was reading about you online too, so that's how I know. I read the whole article you wrote about it. Yeah. But um, bringing that movement to children, to to students, to high school students, to elementary school students. You know, um, students who are being colonized every day because they're being taught by people who are not always. They're not evil people, but. The curriculum is set up to teach them about a Western version of, of culture and life. And that's how you we know? look, even with all the, the victories we get in 2016, we have someone running for president that is saying that an entire grouping of people is unacceptable, Absolutely, right? Yeah. And in even that grouping of people, there will be categories that privilege one or the other. Even if Donald Trump hates every immigrant, he might like the dreamers a little bit more than the other immigrant. That's the sickness of white supremacy. Yeah. So that's why I talk about the beginning, the racial and socialization of our children. Mm-hmm. But that's also a privilege that we have when the majority 
majority of our people are literally fighting to pay rent and to eat. Yes. And so, so you know the struggle. That's you the, it's hard. People, you know, people get mad when, like, if there's a rally on um, Henry Johnson, yeah. and we're right in the hood, but nobody from the hood comes. Yeah. It's well, because they, you know, we're not going to the. That's no. that 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 speaks to the, the the organizing itself, right? And it's not even about going to the hood. Yeah. Like if you, even if you if you have that in your mind as an organizer, well, I'm going to the hood. Then when did you leave it? Mm-hmm. When did you, like what 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 is the and the idea that people in the hood don't know what's going on? They complete. They know, of course, they're the most affected. They're expecting people like us that have the little bit of privilege of being mm-hmm. able to work on these issues mm-hmm. more to make sure that their voice is front and center. We we're not dealing. Essentially, we don't deal with the class contradiction in our community. No. In that class contradiction is where colorism plays and all this stuff plays. That's part of movement building. And we're I feel like we're always struggling with that. I also feel like there's an entire new generation of young, unapologetically black, mostly queer women who are dark-skinned right. women who are like, we are claiming line. this shit. You're not going to write us out of the narrative. Even if it. you try to co-opt it, yeah. we are telling our own story. We are making our own projects. We are writing our own books. We are doing our own t-shirts. But one and thing it's a whole level of generational consciousness that we're going to have to uplift. Generational consciousness. And one thing you both just touched on, Tanisha and yourself, um, there are people in the hood that are unaware, though. So, yes, we're in the hood and we're on the front lines and we're protesting and we're shutting down Henry Johnson Boulevard. But one night I'm walking home from a protest and a brother, a brother was like, yo, do you know they got somebody pulled over up the block? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you don't see all the cop cars over there? I'm like, "Uh, you talking about the cop cars for the protest that we were just doing? He's like, nah, they got somebody pulled over. I said, no. We were just protesting. And they shut the road down. For- and we shut the road down due to Dante Ivy being murdered by police. He's like, oh, I didn't even know anything about that. I said, how do you live right around the corner from me? But that's the fault of the organizers. That's not necessarily yeah. No, 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 no. That's not necessarily the fault there's of the organizers. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's our job to make sure that they know. And there's a disconnect between the people who are in those communities and the, and the people who are yeah. maybe outside or in those communities organizing the protests. And, we, and I think I really... I I think we just are doing a shitty job. We have to do a better job of like making sure we're not forgetting the people that I understand really that. But you know what? It's it's one thing. It's one thing when you say it's it's the job of the organizers. But what about people that are just in their community? They have no idea but what's going on. But how would they know about Dante Ivy if Dante Ivy doesn't ever make it to the front page? Mm-hmm. If Dante Ivy's story is never on CNN, right. we we think that. Look, I'm from New York City. The number one paper black people read is what, babe? Post. The New York Post. Okay? Black and Latino. You go on the train. Why? Because it's 25 cents, 50 cents. Right? But it's also like it's been ingrained culturally and generationally that you read the Post and the Daily News. Now, when the brothers from the Nation of Islam come to, read, to send the final call, you have to be very purposeful and know, mm-hmm. I got to buy the final call and the Amsterdam news to know what's real good in the hood. Mm-hmm. We can never underestimate corporate media as the fifth estate in this country. And corporate media is why Donald Trump is 42%. Mm-hmm. 
Corporate media has done 180 hours, 81 hours on Donald Trump and seven minutes on um, and 81 minutes on Bernie Sanders. Mm. Okay, most of our people are working class folks. Vanessa. In, in, in this way That people are just going About their daily lives Trying to survive right, yep. It takes privilege For me to be on the phone For seven hours On Twitter Going to Al Jazeera Tell us who Knowing to read Laura Flanders mm. Knowing that even if I disagree With a little bit Of Melissa Harris Parent I'm going to read that Watch 60 Minutes The Daily News Boom 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 And do that Because I intake media Because I understand But I then know That most of my cousins My mother My sister They ain't reading none of that they're listening to Fox News some of them maybe 1010 wins maybe some NPR but they're all reading the posts in the daily news if they and if they don't have social media if they don't have Twitter they don't have Facebook people think everybody has social media Mm -hmm. there's still 40% of Americans that are not online Mm -hmm. most in rural and then super poor urban centers so Mm -hmm. I've been to the Appalachia region and I've been in communities in the Appalachia region, all poor white folks, that there's one computer for like 100 houses mm. in 20, that was 2008, 2009. That's the, that's what I'm talking about. These are the privileges some of us enjoy, not the privilege of being middle class or not having a debt or whatever, but the intellectual privilege to also be like, yo, I need to suss this out. I know mm-hmm. that I can get this, that, and the Compare other. So there's completely look. It's for you go to Ferguson, and there's the idea that everybody in Ferguson rebel. You go in the hood right now, cats are like. I ain't never been to no Mike Brown rally. Right. And you're like, how's that possible? Mm-hmm. Right. And you're like, right. That is completely possible. <laughs> like, but that's why you need to remember, like, we yeah. need to remember, like, because uh, we've been through the struggle. JB, uh, you know, we homeless, jail, the whole works. When that shit was going on in our lives, I didn't give a damn about the movement. I really, I was just trying to, you know, survive. And and uh, that's something I always try to remember. Like, I have the privilege to, like, go to, pro- I have vacation days and shit like that. Yeah. That, that allows me I have to do stuff. Insurance. Yeah. I work the shorts. I work for an airline right now to be here and not working an overnight right now. Let me now. see some some one yeah. of the one of the um one of our elders um oh, um um friend, uh, Walter Rodney mm-hmm. um he has this uh, saying and he he said the way we know we made the revolution happen is when the gangs change the guns for politics. Mm. Well, shit, we ain't there. And Walter Rodney said that in 1960. We're not there, and but we we what I also see as an organizer is that I then take the boys on too. Till the day I die, I am fighting against white supremacy. I never look at my community as being not that anybody is saying this. As I understand why my people in my community have been dumbed down, why information is kept away, why things are hidden, why people have to struggle just to eat, to get on a bus, to to have a bus route. You go to Baltimore, there is no way you get to the east side or the west side of Baltimore in less than two hours in a major city. Mm. There's 11,000 jobs on the port of Baltimore, and the people on the west side of Baltimore can't ever get a job in their own city because they will never have transportation to that. They're clear. On what the state is doing to them So those of us who are the organizers We're part of our community It's kind of like We write the chant of the 
Assad is that it is our duty to fight for freedom. It is our duty to win. Mm. We must love and protect one another. We have nothing to lose but our chains. So I understand. Yo, this system is a beast, man. Like, when if we had in a complete awakening like complete racial justice consciousness we'd be in a revolution in less than a day up in this country yeah and that's like, the system works yeah. very hard and lastly the system adjusts to what we do yep so the minute we're getting a win BLM winning the narrative chain raising the consciousness not only are we being called terrorists mm-hmm. People are trying to kill us. Mm-hmm. Those five BLM activists shot in Minneapolis could have been five dead BLM activists, yep. right? The system adjusts. Yep. As Donald Trump is saying, what a majority of, uh, not a majority of white people, but a minority of that white thing, white folks have been feeling. Everyone else will adjust to Donald Trump. They won't adjust to the radical. They're going to adjust to his politics. That's scary. That that's what um that's what it that's is. That's what happened in Mizzou at the university. You yep. know, they, the yeah. the students uh, right. the students who protested. The athlete, student. So that, so and the now they're doing the bill. Yeah. See, and now the state passed the bill. Well, That's what the, 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 the system adjusts. So did as, it pass? As a, no, the, it was, the House proposed that any yeah. uh, any college athletes that, in Missouri, yeah, if, they, if they strike, they, they'd risk losing their scholarship. And that was a direct response but to could, that protest. But it could pass. It could, and, yeah. and our job as organizers is to always have a vision, at least, that we can historically put things into context, peep what's going on, and be the greed for our mm. communities and 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 take our our sacrifice like what's our sacrifice well this is our sacrifice and 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 we're lucky we can we can have that sacrifice when so many cats till this day you know won't be able to and unfortunately that's the world we live in and it's not it's not getting better now and even with these talks in Paris where these climate change talks failed and the it shouldn't be this hot in Albany like this is not right there's something fundamentally wrong with the planet and humanity but the system adjusts to absorb revolution do I think we're gonna win hell yeah that's why we fight but we always as organizers have to keep in mind that the system is a beast and will try to kill and imprison and do whatever it does to maintain that beast all right. Yeah. On that note, I just want to say um, we're 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 gonna we're, oh, we're gonna wrap yeah, things wrap up, up yeah. and um, this this conversation could go on forever. And, for and people, I live here now, so we'll so do it I'll again. send people to your house. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, I, I like this crib. Oh, cool, we'll come cool. here back again. Um, yeah, so, when you come back from your nine month tour. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Speaking of which, are you gonna be here Friday? Yeah, I'm going. You're gonna be here Friday. Yeah. I'm, okay. Good. Because Friday. Friday, then. there's a show in at McGeary's. It's uh, EOM. It's downtown. And uh, uh, oh, this is a good show. You're invited, and it's a safe space, and uh, there's gonna be booze, and no, there's gonna well, be. Yeah, I'm coming Friday. Yeah. Uh, okay. So come to good. EOM. It's Friday, December 18th. It's gonna be at free. McGeary's. Um, it's free. It's free. PJ oh, Catch is there. Girl Blue is performing. We got a niece cousin, um, Truth and Rhyme, who's amazing. Uh, DJ Nate the Great, he's all right. Uh, Jeff Nani, James Rock, Stephen <laughs> <laughs> True. So it's gonna be oh, a really good show. Thank you. I will be there. 
cannot cool. come. I'm off tour for a month, so Perfect. I will be around Perfect. a lot in all of these. Uh, cool. Thank you so much for coming through. We had a, a, a record number of listeners show. tonight and a lot of people interacting with us. Thank um, you. And I just want to thank you so much. I feel like I'm a better person for just sitting here and listening and absorbing this. And I think yeah, yeah. a lot of people at home are snapping their fingers off every time you say, well, I am <laughs> you're dropping like, some jewels on us. So, I um, love, I mean, I know, you know, I'm a... I fell into journalism So I, I respect people Who do ra- radio But I, I respect media makers Because I feel This is the voice Right mm-hmm. You know We are reaching people Right With our On our own On your own terms And you know I really love being part of um, Interviews that are not scripted And that are fun And mm-hmm. you know Again just show the love Of like the struggle You know Absolutely. As as both most And mm-hmm. at that time Most deaf and Talib Kuala Said The beautiful struggle struggle is beautiful I love it and, and I really appreciate the opportunity to spend this time thank you with for you. coming thank for you anyone so that does much. for anyone that does thank want you. to continue this conversation I know uh, Angelica and Amani yeah. and Kiki will kill me if I don't mention Capital Area Against Mass Incarceration yes. go to nycami.org if you do want to continue this conversation we have protests rallies organiz- uh, we have meetings yes and, please join and just the movement network get involved in the, in the movement where we're trying to expand our own network and make sure that we have a, a good solid base and this conversation isn't over it's going to go on till, as Rose said till the day she dies she'll be free fighting this and I think a lot of us uh, uh, have the same plan so get involved uh, nycami. Uh, I'm sorry at nycami or cami.org um, C-A-A-M-I that's Capital Area Against Mass Incarceration real quick um, let me yeah, give some quick shout outs yeah, what do we got? let's do it this quick. is the time um, we're wrapping up Kokiaki uh, Tara of course she's in the building uh, Hologram Biggie Big Up Scout uh, Dan Hogan Angelica man uh, my boy David uh, Kiki of course Tanisha's in the building who else who else who else who else I'm scrolling pardon me ladies and gentlemen Lisa I don't, I, don't, I don't know who Lisa is but shout out to Lisa Mari uh, Zio Matt Murray Chef Dad and it's probably so many more that I'm cool. missing. And I'm going to shout out my homie, Jared, Dr. Jared Ball, out in Baltimore, Maryland. Check out his work. He 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 uh, he does work around what he calls emanci- emancipatory journalism. Mm-hmm. Has a dope short called I Mix What I Like. It's on okay. the Real News Network. And is my comrade to the death and is a hater and a hater <laughs> to the hate. And, and he's so he proud of like, it. We like haters. We no, like haters. you have haters to bring him on. Like hater. He is, like he's got the hater award. Listen to that But check him out Because we have to support Independent media Because this literally Is the voice And the echo chamber We need to create And all the yes. madness For That's the movement around. Yeah. You want to shout so out Ava your, your best friend Ava No Are you, oh. <laughs> She said she was going to Send you a doll If you she had a shout out show. Show. I can't even cool. get her Alright well um, well, Watch every Ava movie ever Everyone yes. Alright uh, so We're going we're to wrap up uh, Again thank you for, for being here um, Please, At Beach Shot Radio Check this out uh, Subscribe to our podcast If you, you're going to want to re-listen to this or tell someone else if they missed it check out the podcast we're on iTunes Android you can get us anywhere um, Masai signing off and you might hear music for the next uh, 20, 30, 40 minutes you never only on know. the podcast only on the only podcast, on the podcast. Oh, we, got, we, got, we have like bonus footage now on the podcast so yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah signing off yeah Lo-Fi Lobo I'm, I'm about to jump on the on the, on the wheels still just for like what's he said an exclusive podcast only exclusive <laughs> exclusive peace and power yeah JBAK Dirty Moses I'm out peace DJ True Master peace peace thank you yeah, Nate the Great. Cool. Hey, okay. Oh, yes. Yeah, birthday same. boy, Nate the Great. Oh, yeah. Happy, happy birthday, birthday and save the wells. Happy Radio. birthday to you. Good night, everybody. Peace, peace. Time.
RBGs off in the stank, they hip to the game, get it off the chain. You are now listening to WRBG, the people's radio. It's a takeover, not a makeover. Be shy.